This is Unfiltered, episode 223 for January 25th, 2017. I can only say that I am with you a thousand percent. And the reason you're my first stop is that, as you know, I have a running war with the media. They are among the most dishonest human beings on earth. Fresh off the avian flu, I am back again for another edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. Yes, I'm Chase. There's Chris over there. Hey, buddy. And Chris, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but I, I uh, we have some breaking news what? to share. What? What? We, what? Right at the top of the show? You you didn't you didn't look at the uh, the notes I sent you. So this is a Fox News alert. I want to let everybody know that we are square in the middle of birthday week here on the Unfiltered show. <laughs> My birthday was on Monday. Your birthday is on Friday, right? Tomorrow. Oh, I thought it was Friday. Sorry. No, no. It's, so I don't it's, care. it's but, fine. But, but then again, we're right in the middle of between two birthdays here. Yeah, this is the this is the um, this is the sandwich. Like we yeah. a Thursday. Yeah, you're yeah. right about that. And, I, and right I'm really pissed middle. off that you didn't show up on Saturday for my big chase get together. I sent you an invite you, uh, on Orcut, and you didn't <laughs> and you didn't respond. <laughs> I was too busy documenting Donald Trump's total no, out, total no. wall war on the media. No, all you, the you were you're on Twitter putting pictures up, comparing crowd sizes, <laughs> and then after that, you were out flying your drone That's somewhere. True. That's Near the true. space needle that it crashed into the space. Crashed into yeah. the space. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, gotta get that vlog content. Yeah, man. How you doing, man? Good, good. I, yeah, happy birthday to you. In Thank fact, you. you know what? Happy I got birthday couple, to you. I got a couple birthday presents. Yeah, for you. Ange told me about. <laughs> look at this. Look this at this looks thing. Gr- oh. That's the unfiltered mouse pad. You know what? Club. You know, got. The, you know where this is going? This mm. is going right on my desk at work. At work. And then speaking of that, Ange, I believe there is some birthday shenanigans of yours going down in Vancouver. In Vancouver. And so she got you a Vancouver puzzle where you could plot your birthday. Oh, my goodness gracious. Look at, Look at that. Isn't that nice? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that right so there. So this, wait, uh, this oh is. Gosh, it's Angela Fisher, everybody. So this, <laughs> Va- this is, a, this is interesting. This is a puzzle of Vancouver yeah. made in the USA. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably completely accurate. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. That's Thanks, like, Sanj. That's like when we try to cover news out of the UK and we get kind of right. But yes. Uh, yeah. So there's really nothing to talk about this no, week. Nothing. We're going to have a real short all. show. It's funny. After the election ended, uh, the cyber news just pretty much has dried up. Uh-huh. But there was one thing. This is the big. Are you ready for it? All right. This so is, you, you had to scrounge the bottom of the barrel. Well, it depends. I mean, for some people, Chase, this is a huge, huge, right. huge story. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna the, the, downgrade the, it. When when uh, when you impact the culture of America, yeah, it can only be the Russians. It can, oh, think about all... it. Think about. Think about it. it. Can only be the Russians. Think about it, Chase. Think all right, about it. I'm okay. thinking. And film festivals box office system. Oh, hold on. I cut it off a little bit. It's Sundance, Chase. The Sundance Film Festival's box office system was temporarily shut down after suffering its first cyber attack this weekend. A spokesperson for the festival Wait, released a statement is saying... Is this first one ever or just first this weekend? Like, are there multiple attacks in the weekend? First of all, you I'm never confused. ask a girl that question. Second, <laughs> it's their first ever. Sundance Film Festival has been subject to a cyber attack causing network outages that have shut down our box office. No further information about the attack is available at this time, but our team is working 
working hard to get our system back up and running as soon as possible. All screenings will still take place as planned. So that's the big cyber attack of the week. So wait, they... Is that Sundance making the video themselves? No, no, it's uh, Newsly, which uh, does stuff that the mainstream media doesn't uh, feel worthy of covering. Well, I, I, I don't blame the but mainstream uh, I guess, covering that either. I guess from my perspective, it's been interesting to go from 100 miles per hour on Russia hack, Russia hack, Russia yeah, hack yeah. to boom, silence. Uh-huh. Just a complete pivot. Yeah. Nobody in the media is talking about it. Not a single clip. We watch, we monitor all the networks. Not well, a to be clip. fair, you know, the inauguration happened. Yeah. And then Saturday, what's the new press secretary's name? Uh, Spicer. Spitzer. Spitzer. Sean Spicer. Spitzer. Well, he, he came out as a Spitfire on Saturday. So we're going to get oh, into, we're going to get into that. Uh, get so into let's that. do this. I yeah. think we should do it like this. Let's right. do, chron- let's do it in chronological order, kind of. So let's, right. I figure we'll, we'll cover some world news first, okay. just for the people listening. We'll get our vegetables. Yeah. All and right. then people outside the U.S. who, who hate all this stuff. We'll do the world news first. Then we'll get into Spicer and uh, him. Him is just going after the media. <laughs> then let's talk about the march. Yeah. Then let's talk about Donald Trump's fir- first few days. And we'll go through it all, and okay. then we'll end it all on a high note. So fair, fair enough. If you can stick with us, you get the high note. But that was our cyber. Let's go to the world news, and uh, we start with Russia. Comrade. One of the key challenges facing the Donald Trump administration will be tackling Islamic State. And in the White House, uh, the press secretary now says that Washington's open to joint strikes with Russia against the terrorists. The president has been very clear that he's going to work with any country that shares our interest. This, by the way, is Sean Spicer replacing Josh Ernest as the White House spokeshole. In defeating well, ISIS. Way, I know we're going to play his famous clip here yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. But we need to red book at some point. What's the over under of him making it through the year? Oh, good call. All right, I'll take out the red books. All right, not just on the national security front, but on the economic front. If we can work with someone to create greater market access and spur economic growth and allow U.S. small businesses and companies to so just on this idea of doing joint military actions with Russia and Syria. Is I, I think if that. there's a way that we can combat ISIS with any country, whether it's Russia or anyone else, and we have a shared national interest in that, sure, we'll take it. Now, it's come out today as we record, and I don't have any audio on it because it literally came out while I was on the air uh, doing the overtime. They have the Trump they, – they, the Trump administration has announced that they are doing – get ready for this. Okay. Very limited talks with Assad. Really? They're talking directly to Assad. Wow. Really? Yeah. Which I have no idea where that's going to go. Uh, but we don't have time to worry about that. We got to look into these possible Trump connections to Russia. There's an investigation underway oh. into contacts between a top member of the Trump national security team and Russia. We touched on this Jeff a bit. Jeff Gaze is looking into this. Go, Jeff. When President Trump left CIA headquarters Saturday, a couple of steps behind him was his national security advisor, retired General Michael Flynn. So they, the media's got a real real tricky challenge here. They're desperate to pin Trump to Russia, obviously. There's lots of reasons for that. Uh, but the issue here is, is that Flynn himself, pretty much universally loved by the military-industrial complex. Oh, yeah, yeah, everybody loves him. And the media loves to suck up to the military-industrial complex. So they're walking a real tight line here. CBS News has learned that U.S. investigators have been looking into at least one phone call in late December between Flynn and Russia's ambassador to the United States, Sergei Kislyak. So Flynn talks to a Russian ambassador. Now, you have to you have to appreciate that at this point, while we are covering this today on January 25th, 2017, these two men have a daily relationship, possibly weekly relationship where they speak to each other. So all of this upset is about 
if these two men discussed something, we don't know exactly what they're about to tell you, but something, there's going to be an investigation, but they discussed something before he was officially in office. But now, now these two people who supposedly discussed something, now they talk almost on a daily basis. So what difference does it make? It, it really makes almost no difference. They'll give you a little – they'll give you an indication of what they talked about. And Chase, you tell me if this is worth all the hoopla. The call came just as the Obama administration expelled dozens of Russian diplomats and announced sanctions in response to the wave of election cyber attacks. On December 30th, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov suggested on Russian television that the Kremlin would retaliate by expelling American diplomats. But shortly thereafter, President Vladimir Putin sent out a note saying that he would not kick U.S. diplomats out of the country and instead talked about restoring Russian-U.S. relations based on the policies of the Trump administration. President-elect Trump then responded in a tweet, great move on delay by V. Putin. I always knew he was very smart. I think it's very likely that, uh, that they that the conversation over the phone was about this. Yeah, like, absolutely. Don't overreact. It's going to be good. Just relax. It's okay. Now, if we accept that premise. Right. And the guy isn't in office yet. Flynn isn't in office yet. No. If he's taking any action that prevents World War III. At the end of the day, do you really have a problem with it? No. And I understand that a lot of people and, you know, myself included, that Putin has supervised, if you will, a lot of atrocities against people in many different places. Yeah, especially in Russia. Right. And so I understand the uh, the angst that a lot of people have. But that being said, if we're able to secure something tangible and good out of this whole ordeal— I'm I'm cautiously yeah, optimistic. I, I cautiously, agree. and it, when you're dealing with a superpower, I think being respectful and uh, having these two people speak directly is an extremely good thing. Having having these two high level officials be able to text each other and pick up the phone and have a conversation and diffuse a massive international situation is beneficial to the people of the United States. It may be a violation of the Logan Act. I I, I will grant you potentially that, but at the end of the day, it's preventing it is preventing World War Three potentially, or it's preventing yeah. at least retaliation by Russia. It yeah. might not be World War III, but it's preventing retaliation. The only thing I worry about here is, <laughs> is Trump being played? Is, is Putin playing him and working it into the narrative and trying to play Trump by a fi- like a fiddle, essentially? If we didn't have the context of the war in Syria and right. the building narrative against Russia since Edward Snowden's been there, I would say maybe you're right. But looking back at the last four years of the Obama administration, it it really has been redefining Russia as the big global bad guy. Russia is the big bad guy. Russia this, Russia that. They've been pivot. They pivoted from China and focused on Russia. It all just sort of seems to be an extension of that narrative from the, that's been going on now for four years. So right. I just don't really buy that aspect of it. I do buy that there was probably an inappropriate conversation if you go by the policies. Sure. However, if you go by the best interest of the people, it seems like it was. I don't know. Probably a good thing. And it does get into – I'll let it play. It does get into yeah. what they talked about. Investigators are trying to determine whether the Trump team was coordinating with the Russians leading up to and after the election. So far, sources say they have found no evidence of wrongdoing. Today, White House Press Secretary uh, Sean Spicer said the call between Flynn and the Russian ambassador covered four topics. One was the uh, loss of life that occurred in the plane crash that took their military choir. Two was – Christmas and holiday greetings. 
Um, three was to facilitate or to talk about a conference in Syria on ISIS, and four was to set up a to talk about after the inauguration setting up a call between. President Putin and President Trump. So let's take number four and let's run with it just a bit to fit this story that you and I have just been spelling here. Let's pretend like number four was a little more. So I'm going to play. I'm going to back it up and listen to number four again, and then let's let's chat about what number four was really. Three about. was to facilitate or to talk about a conference in Syria. On a- so you got you got the plane crash, you got the Christmas, you, yeah. and, then, and then you got facilitating serious stuff. All pretty good, pretty normal. But then number four was about setting up a phone call. Let them all them. ISIS and four was to set up a to talk about after the inauguration setting up a call between President Putin and President Trump. I bet that's technically true. I bet it kind of goes more like this. Number four was about (laughs) setting up a call between Putin and Trump about how we'll start rolling back these sanctions. Don't freak out right now. Mm. We're going to get this taken care of. That's definitely definitely plausible. Yeah. Okay. So one more thing is there is there is there is audio of Putin saying and we played it on the show. You, You might remember this. Every time there's an election, it's Russia this, Russia this, Russia that. And then they tell us on the back channels, don't worry, after the election, everything will be good. Remember we, do you remember yeah, us playing that yeah, clip? Yeah. This is that all over again. This guy calls up Flynn, calls up the Russian ambassador. He says, look, after the election, after the Democrats are out of here and they're not so sore about Hillary anymore, this Russia stuff's going to tamp down and we'll get this all straightened out. And you know what, Chase? It's, it's been happening. It has been happening. Yeah. There's much. There is dramatically less discussion about the Russians. Well, the there, well, there's been a big shift because of all the. And I know we're going to get into it. All the different things that Trump's been doing. Yeah, it's it's definitely caused a shift yeah. In, yeah. in the focus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's they, the media is following the shiny for apps. <laughs> yes. Look over here. Look over here. <laughs> Uh, okay, one more world thing. I'm playing this for all of uh, my friends across the pond who say this about the U.S. all the time. It's some good wisdom that we could all learn from. The uh, The guy that runs Alibaba, the founder of Alibaba, was at the World Economic Forum, and he had some harsh words, Chase. It's, it's a little bit of medicine. I'm going to go ahead and play it for us. He says, nobody – the world and globalization are not stealing your jobs. What's stealing your damn jobs, America, is all the trillions you spend on wars. He gets there. Spend some time – inside Trump Tower. Uh, in <laughs> past 30 years, the American had 13 wars, spending $14.2 trillion. The money going there. What if they spend a part of that money on building up the infrastructure, helping the white, co- the, the white collars and blue collars? No matter how strategic good it is, you're supposed to spend money on your own people, right? On the not everybody can pass Harvard. To linger around Alibaba is the piracy issue. This is an I, there's an IP. We should spend money on those people who are not good at schooling. And the other money, which I... I'll stop there. I think it's a good clip. He goes on to talk about, too, about spending money on instead of on, on colleges, on job uh, skill trade programs. God, I, you know, I've been saying that for a long yeah, time. I know that. I know. That's why I put this in here. I, I guess, let's see. Not Wall Street. What if the money spent on? Yeah, here. So this is a, this is a great point he makes. I'll wrap it up with this. All right. The financial crisis wiped out nineteen point two trillion dollars USA alone. They wiped out all the white collars and destroyed thirty four million jobs globally. So what if the money? Not Wall Street. What if the money spent on the Middle East, Middle West of the United States? Developing the industry there, that could be changed a lot. So it's not peop- the other countries steal jobs from you guys. It is your strategy. Okay, but, but you do not distribute the money, the, the money 
and thinks in a proper way. Oh, wow. And that guy kind of knows what he's talking about. It's a little refreshing to hear it from a different perspective, and yeah. it's accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, supporting your very people, supporting people just like you. This show, patreon.com slash unfiltered. It's made possible by our audience. You know, I'm not Jake Tapper. What? Uh, Chase isn't Brooke Baldwin over there, but we also don't come at but it. But I do with- like chicken. <laughs> yes, well, that's Aaron Burnett. Let's be honest. That's, I didn't. We're not talking about Aaron. Aaron and I, yeah, Aaron and I, we are tight. Yes. So let's not get into that. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Keep this show going and get into the different levels. If you get, uh, actually, I should start with what you get for free. That's really where I should start for free. This is right here, what you're listening. This is free. (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah. That and when YouTube cooperates, we post the full live stream for free at patreon.com slash unfilter. We hope that if you like what you see, you see the completely unedited, nothing's been taken out. If you like all of that. Uh, you'll support the rest of the show at patreon.com slash unfilter. Really, we don't take anything out of the middle section of the show. No, we it's don't. It's just the beginning and the end we kind of tighten we up. We snip it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you think of your uh, swag? So we have a well, swag level yeah, over so, there. Yeah, so by the way, uh, we have Club 33, yeah, which we're, we're going to get into here in a moment. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. And, and talking about, is this is this camera hot? Can we actually show this? Let's see. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it, yeah. it is. Yeah. So here it is, you guys, uh, if you're watching the video. This is the, the newly created swag for for this quarter is it quarterly it depends actually depends on swag oh okay unfilter mouse pad and i love the design because it's just your basic red outline it's clean i love it Mm -hmm. and if you're joining club 33 not only in the swag club but you know what else chris what's that chase you can enter my sack All right. Hey, I, I didn't. Ha- I wasn't here last week, you guys, as you know. Noah, thanks for filling in for me. He doesn't uh, have the sack like but you But he do doesn't that. have my sack in his hand. So, let's go ahead. In the United States, when we make a mistake, we're yep. honest about it. Yes, we are. I'm going to miss that guy. I know. I like that guy. Anyway. Yeah, I never liked that well, guy. Well, I like the guy and how he, you know, how yeah. I talk. I think Pretty I'm liking good. Spicer already. He's way oh, better well, well, for the show. I cannot we'll wait that. to talk about Spicer. It's all about the show, Chase. So anyway, hey, you guys. If you are part of Club 33, I send out a alert on Patreon every single week around Tuesday or Wednesday to say, hey, give us your feedback. Sometimes I'll throw a question at you. I left it a little open this week. And so here is some of that feedback. All first, right. first off comes from Landon Jurgens. He says, hey, welcome back. Glad to hear you're feeling better and looking forward to having your presence back on the show tonight. Thank you. Tom wrote in and says, hey, happy birthday, Chris and Chase. Hey, look at him keeping track yeah, of I know. It. This, Holy this, crap. This week, I've been laughing my ass off watching people overreact to Trump. Yeah. From the moment he took the oath of office, people running around claiming the sky is falling. we got some of that. It's amazing how many people have bought into the various Nazi, fascist, Russian puppet, etc. narratives by the mainstream media. Tell that to the EPA! Clearly, they don't watch Unfilter. My question is, what has been your favorite reaction to Trump this week? This could be the reaction from the mainstream media, the protesters, or anyone really. Also, in case it doesn't make it in the show, I like to draw attention to the DNC chair debate. It appears that the DNC has learned nothing yeah. and is doubling down on identity <laughs> politics. Uh, yeah, oh, I've heard geez. about that. All right, so wait, I have. Yes. I got to answer his first question. Yeah. So, what's your favorite reaction to Trump this week? I got to punt it in the show. It'll be in a clip. Ah, It'll be in punting. a clip, but you'll know it. You'll know it, Chase. As All soon right. as I play, it, you'll know it's mine. So I got it. I got it because it's gonna. It, I got to let them speak. Tom, for me. I would have to find a, the, the exact tweet that kind of was just like, "Come on, there's some good ones. There's some good ones." <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, maybe maybe it's the one that he misspelled and deleted, and then he uh, broke archive protocol because yeah. you can't do that anymore. Ah. Anyway, uh, 
Another Chase, a Chase who is a supporter of Club 33, wrote in. That's, that's meant to be. Oh, it is. Uh, Chase Striegel says, hey, uh, happy birthday, Chris and Chase. Excited to hear what you guys make of Trump's first week. I'm also excited. I, uh, I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah. I'm also excited for our tax sellers to go towards a wall. Sarcasm. Woo! Uh, and finally, from Ben Lloyd, Pearson says, hey, it's pretty easy to learn about what Trump is doing poor- poorly. All you have to do is watch the recent news coverage of him on just about any channel. However, very few people are talking about what he's doing well. Between Matt Cutts heading the U.S. Digital Services. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Munchen for Secretary of the Treasury and mentions of new tech like self-driving cars during confirmation hearings. It seems Trump has the potential to be a decent president for commerce and technology huh. overall. I hadn't thought about that. Except that. for maybe his position on border taxes. The one thing I will say is if if Obama tweeted like Trump does, I think they would love it. See, the other the other the other thing, though, that I I have a a problem with is, you know, he's making a lot of business decisions. And that's great for American companies, you know, in a lot of ways, some ways not, but in a lot of ways good. But he hasn't fully divested himself personally. And by keeping himself involved, even at an arm's length, there's a lawsuit about that. that, Oh, yeah, absolutely. It only causes a, a legitimate distraction. All he had to do was be like, writing myself out in four years, blind trust, et cetera, et cetera. Well, okay, but let me ask you this. Yeah. If, if you hand it over to your kids and your kids are running it, yeah. you're still going to get rich. Right. You're so, still making so, so money. He you still have an interest. Exactly. So all he had to do, if he was, since it's his kids, is do the blind trust thing. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose, but I, you know what I'm saying. Like, if you're if other if if the people around you and your family are right. getting rich, that's like that's some of that is still uh, coming on you, right? But on the on the day one that he, you know he you know, became president, you know the the uh, the new hotel that's in Washington D.C. that was yeah. done out of the post office, he violated the terms of the contract. Yeah. as soon as he said yes, I will. So he I, does have a question though. By okay. the way, uh, he says, "What do you guys think? What areas do you think Trump has the greatest potential to leave a positive legacy? And how much do you think the negative?" components of his presidency will overshadow them i honestly I, I think it's in the business side of things i mean i don't know if it's possible for him to have a positive legacy well we'll see i, I feel he like has no filter <laughs> there is a huge yeah. group of people some of which it's all the democrats and some republicans that are trying to take every little thing he does and spin it as a bad thing i, I think they're. i don't know we'll see that's i'm not saying it's impossible that he'll have a good something that'll have a good legacy about i'm I'm going to sit back and watch and just report, but it seems like there's already a machine out there trying to take every little thing. What's what's going to happen is, and by the way, that's the sack. Thanks to you guys for supporting us at patreon.com slash unfiltered. Oh! We do have a few spots remaining in the sack. Oh, I don't know if we do anymore. Oh, we don't. Did it, did it fill up? Although, I thought there was like two left. I feel like, uh, oh, you're right. Wow, dude. There's yep. two left. There is two left. So if uh, if you get in, you'll you get the next swag. Plus, you get the sack access. Yes, That's, lots of sack. Think access. about it. There's ever been. Yeah, I would. I would. I would jump in with two more. I would seriously consider jumping in. Yeah. Unfiltered or Patreon.com slash unfiltered. I mean, the the thing is, right now he's doing a lot of things in his first week, right? And he's he's really setting the table because in two years is the midterms, right? Yeah. And if he doesn't make a full push to say I'm going to follow through on my promises well, and, and all this stuff. Then he's I think pretty probably, much done. So let's let's shift gears. Yeah. Let's start getting to Trump's first week. All right, let's do it. So uh, chronologically, we'll break it, break it, break it, break it, break it, break it down, and let's start with the inauguration. That seems like the first, like the thing that really big happened since yeah. the show. And I was on uh, Friday. 
This was this was Sean Spicer's big introduction. No, to so the media. so so Sean came out on Saturday. Yeah, after the inauguration, and it wasn't an official press. It was because uh, the conference. official ones was happen on Monday. Right. This is what you, they call a press briefing, which yeah. is different. But this is what we're talking about for yes, the inauguration. Yes, this yes. is what we're taking away. Right. As we said, the weather. This is uh, this is MSNBC. May top out just under 50 degrees, so it's not uh, a bone chilling cold, the likes of which we've seen for many, many inaugurations. So Brian's talking about it's not that cold. We do see a lot of white space there. That a lot of white space there. Now, Seems to like... be fair, this was the first inauguration that they put down some ground yeah. cover. Plastic flooring it gives you yeah. a good way of measuring how many people are going to uh, push in. It's 11, 12 a.m., you would think. That's exactly what I was just going to say. In terms of thinking about whether we might see space, that empty space, fill in. It's 11, 12 right now. The swearing-in ceremony will start within the next 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. minutes. Um, The president will be sworn in. It's 11 o'clock now. It seems like it should. So they start talking about the attendance. This is even before the inauguration starts. And this is actually before they started throwing up comparison pictures. Mm -hmm. They were just saying, well, it looks a little light. Yep, 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 exactly. Welcome back. It's an old Will Rogers line. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Well, for the White House Press Secretary, Sean Spicer, that first impression was, to be polite, horrible. In an angry statement in the briefing room Saturday, Spicer lashed out at the news media, but his tirade included a number of statements that just simply weren't true. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period, both in person and around the globe. The boss liked it. Uh, then Trump counselor Kellyanne Conway took this leap. Answer the question of why the president asked the White House press secretary to come out in front of the podium for the first time and utter a falsehood. Why did he do that? It undermines the credibility of the entire White House press office no, on day don't one. Be so, don't be so overly dramatic about it, Chuckles. Oh, You're saying it's falsehood, and they're you like that? Isn't that nice? Uh, I mean, first off, let me, let me go back to Spitzer Spitzer's Spicer. saying, uh, saying uh, you know, this was the biggest crowd, period. If you have to add the statement, period, you're basically shutting down any potential discussion. It sounds like it was a quote directly written by Donald Trump. Right. And the way he looked... You know what? I, I know he's new. Maybe he was a little nervous, but he had the look of, you better deliver this correctly or you're going to be fired. Yeah. Like, yeah, keep I going. Agree. Yeah. I agree. Compl- I completely, yeah. that was my absolute 100% observation. I, I was like, he looks scared shitless up there. Yeah. Uh, so here, I'm going to. In an angry statement in the brief, lashed but his tirade on the globe. The bomb. Oh, I want to. There's some swallowing in there. I'm trying to get. He, you can. I see, thought that was John King. No, that was is. Yeah, yeah, there was. Yeah. But there was also some. I'm trying to find. If you watch him, I think there's some nervous swallowing in his speech too. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration. Period, both in person and around the globe. Oh no! No. Then it was John. Sorry, it was yeah, John. That's all right. So yeah, that was it. I'll, we'll do. We'll do a little more on that here in a second. We're not. We're not done. Oh, with, and then Kellyanne. Oh my god. We're not God. done with Spicer yet. I know Kellyanne. She uses the wrong language to come out in front of the podium for the first. By time. By the way, I I I commend Chuck Todd here going dir- as direct as he can get. 
I mean, in some interviews, yeah, I've finally, known, yeah, I, I it took and, him. It, what it took him? How long? And you know what's interesting about this is, we're, and I, I was chatting Look to at you, Kelly too. She's just sitting there smiling. She's just like, she yeah. looks totally unfazed. She looks yeah. like she's legitimately enjoying herself right yeah, now. Yeah, she doesn't really care. She, she, she I think she loves being the troll. Uh, what I was going to say is, I, I think you're starting to see a little bit of consensus on the the media because they, they, they oh yeah, I mean, they saw what happened at Trump's press conference. Uh, before he took office, and how uh, what's his name, uh, you know, basically got shut down the CNN uh, anchor, and now you're seeing MSNBC. You're also seeing Chuck Todd. Yep. It's like everybody. It's like they're kind of circling the horses oh, here. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's yeah, totally. a war afoot. Yeah, and utter a falsehood. Why did he do a that? Falsehood. Call it a lie, Chuck. Of the entire White House press office no, on doesn't. day don't one. Don't be so don't be so overly dramatic about it, Chuck. <sighs> what is, you're saying it's a falsehood, and they're giving Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave. Alternative facts to Whoa, that. Right? Hey, Chuck, he got right hey, with Zeke Miller. Four of the five facts he uttered were just not true. Look, alternative facts are not facts. So that was – so then – you know what? Uh, so then the next day, Monday, the actual official – The first uh, full day. Yeah. The uh, press conference that was on live across the country because yeah, it was a special report. There was a change of tone. But before we get to that, yeah. I, I want to take one of my – just one of my favorite clips from that press conference on Sunday where he was berating them. Secondly, photographs of the inaugural proceedings were intentionally framed in a way in one particular tweet to minimize the enormous support that had gathered on the National Mall. By the way, first time no one's talking about this, but you notice that during his speech, he's using visual aids to try to reinforce it. Yeah. How come Josh never does that? I don't remember Josh ever having like video screens like that. No, but that can't be something they just added, right? It's possible. Secondly, photographs of the inaugural proceedings were intentionally framed in a way in one particular tweet to minimize the enormous support that had gathered on the National Mall. This was the first time in our nation's history that floor coverings have been used to protect the grass in the mall. That had the effect of highlighting any areas where people were not standing, while in years past, the grass eliminated this visual. This is also the first time that fencing and magnetometers went as far back on the wall, preventing hundreds of thousands of people from being able to access the mall as quickly as they had in inaugurations past. So that was Sunday. And then by Monday, I think he realized kind of what he had done uh, because, boy, did they pound him throughout this the weekend. This was about honesty. Well, there's another issue here, though, right? And that is the president's honesty, because two things that he said yesterday we're just by the way this is fox you're listening to folks if you're not watching the video version this is fox that's wallace this is wallace on fox getting on this as well so it's not like fox is giving them a pass take a look at these pictures monitors here that there's another this is rance priebus yeah take a look at those pictures on the left you've got the obama inaugural crowd on the right you've got the trump inaugural crowd which one is bigger Listen, that you're also not not saying that that picture was taken before he was even speaking. I mean, you you can I, you I, can, I, I, I can take I was a picture there. of the mall. I was right there now. in the mall. I mean, let me I say first of all, too, I think Chris. this is a ridiculous conversation. Right. But there, but there yes. were huge areas. He said that there were crowds all the way to the Washington Monument. There was. Right? I was sitting there. there were, yes, there was. Look, I was sitting there looking. Look, 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 I mean, okay. you know what? Put up the picture th- again. This is <laughs> yeah, Chris. Putting the picture. I can take a picture of. Wait a second. I can take a, an aerial picture right now, Chris. 
And I can say, look at the difference. If you're not comparing apples to apples, it doesn't matter. I'm telling you that there were. <laughs> okay, you can keep telling me what you want to tell me. Can you believe this is even a conversation? No, and and uh, I think I told you this right when this was happening. This whole discussion was happening over the it's weekend. It's a distraction. It's a huge distraction. Yeah, it's a because dis- what did Trump do on the very first day he took office? No one's talking about that, right? Because he uh, rescinded. Uh, he rescinded. Oh yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. Hold on, don't spoil. We're gonna I, get there. I know. I'm. Well, well I'm just I trying to say it was more about the march. You really? I thought it was more about changing, talking, stopping people from talking about the margin. But but, the, but he came out and ta- uh, was talking about the crowd size yeah. Spitzer yeah, no. before the march. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but they knew the march was coming. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. To me, it seems like it's a, it's talk yep. about Cancel this. Cancel the about- v- uh, TPP. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Well, we, yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to that there. too. We're don't worry. Don't worry. Jeez, jeez, jeez. Yeah, here's Trump talking about it a little bit. Yep. They showed a field where there were practically nobody standing there. And they said, Donald Trump did not draw well. I said, it was almost raining. The rain should have scared him away. But God looked down and he said, we're not going to let it rain on your speech. Uh His assault on the press was met with some applause inside the CIA. They are among the most dishonest human beings on earth. Trump also told the crowd he knew the military and intelligence community had voted for him. Probably almost everybody in this room voted for me, but I will not ask you to raise your hands if you do. Now, I, the, the whole thing, if it's a, if it's a distraction, yeah, whatever, uh, it seems, I think, I think but what's it, but, more interesting about it is yeah. it's, not, it's not what was the size. I think what's more interesting is it was a overt display of the war that is developing between Trump and his people and the media. Absolutely. And look but uh, what what's weird here is why did he pick this as the battle? Like something so blatant as pictures that we can compare and see with our own eyes that oh, even people that voted I I for him. I don't know for sure. How could I know for sure? But I right. think I know and I think what it is is for Donald Trump is he wants to win every single time in every single way. And I'm not just <laughs> I'm not just saying that it's to be far-fetched. like. I do whine because I want to win. I think he truly wants. I think he's bitter that the popular vote went to Hillary. That's why he That's... wants to investigate the election fraud because he wants to prove what that fraud. He, well, he wants to prove right. that he should have won the popular vote, right. and he think he wants. I think there's probably some truth. It was probably a bigger crowd than the media is giving him credit for. In reality, like like Spicer said today, and. Or no, he said Monday. I'm sorry. He said Monday in his much, much more polite and <laughs> and joking uh, press conference where he sort of tried to reset things. He said in that press conference that, well, OK, maybe physically it wasn't the largest attendance. But you're not counting streaming numbers. When you include yeah, streaming yeah. and CNN or streaming and Fox, it's yeah, it's hands down the largest. Right. Uh, but here is uh, Spicer saying that the media is constantly trying to undermine Trump in one of his most recent press conferences. And I think it's not just you and I saying there's a war. They are kind of saying it themselves. But in terms of the crowd size issue, why bring that up at the CIA? And why did you come out Saturday <laughs> afternoon to talk about that? Did he? tell you, Sean, I'm upset about this. I want you to come. No, I'm not going to get into conversations that I have with the president, but I will tell you that it's not it's not just about a crowd size. It's about this constant, you know, he's not going to run. Then if he runs, he's going to drop out. Then if he runs, he can't win. There's no way he can win Pennsylvania. There's no way he can win Michigan. Then if he won, it's oh, he didn't. There is this constant theme to undercut the enormous support that he has. 
And I think it's just unbelievably frustrating when you're continually told it's not big enough, it's not good enough, you can't win. And, and and, hold on, let me just because I, I think it's important. He's gone out there and defied the odds over and over and over again. And he keeps getting told what he can't do by this narrative that's out there, and he exceeds it every single time. And I think there's an overall frustration when you, open, when you turn on the television over and over again and get told that there's this narrative that you didn't win, you weren't going to run, you can't pick up this state, that's, not, you know, that, that's a fool's errand to go to Pennsylvania. Why is he in Michigan? How silly. They'll never vote for him. A Republican hasn't won that state since 88. And then he goes and he does it. And then what's the next narrative? Well, it must have been because of this. He didn't win that. And then, oh, people aren't attending your thing. Or John Lewis is, is the first person to skip his inauguration. Not true. And over and over again, the MLK bust. Oh, that, by the way, that was something else. Yes, that- uh, yes, yes. Thank you, uh, Sean, for reminding well, me. Well, let him finish yeah, it out, yeah, then we're going to yeah, do it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, you're right, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think and- over and over again, there's this constant attempt to undermine his credibility and the movement that he represents. And it's frustrating for not just him, but I think so many of us that are trying to work to get this message out. You know, there is something to that. It's not, it's frustrating for him and the people he represents. That's a point I do kind of take away. But this MLK bus thing was interesting because it was sort of this this unconfirmed thing that a journalist heard. He tweets it out. It goes right. from there. Yeah. But then he also said, you know, I'm, I, I retract. I'm sorry. I apologize. You know, I, I he made the excuse that someone was blocking it. I know that sounds like a really weak excuse, but he's, that's what he said. And then Spitzer actually tweeted back and says, Spicer. I want to say spicing Spitzer. it up, Chase. Spicer uh, tweeted back and said, apology accepted, right? Yep. But then they keep bringing that up as an excuse. Yeah. Well, not so much as an excuse as, as a, an example of the media just takes something and runs with it. Right. And uh, so I what I heard there was frustration that – you guys keep you keep missing the boat on us. You okay. didn't see him as a serious and candidate. And I'll give him that. But then at the same time, then you you pick the right battles to go to go to war, quote unquote, for the pictures. I agree. I agree. This the, here's this is what I believe it portrays. Yeah, this is not an important story. Right. The crowd attendance does not matter. Correct. It is it will not be a story next week. No. What the reason this story is worth talking about is because it portrays how seriously at war they are with the media. Yes. That every single effing topic they are going to fight over. Here's Rands talking about it. A, a reporter shoots first, aims later. I, I think the magnitude. Are you saying there's a conspiracy here? I'm. I'm saying there's an obsession by the media to delegitimize this president. And we are not going to sit around and let it happen. We are going to fight back tooth and nail every day uh, and and, and twice on Sunday. Okay. They are at war with the media. And on your show. They are at war with the media. And I don't don't know if this is good for the American people or not. No, it's not. And honestly, you know, all right, I'm willing to, to give Spicer's you know, explanation. Yeah, you know, a lot of people, and including the mainstream, didn't pick Trump to win. You know, obviously, you know, and every, all those things that he said was true for for the most part. But you pick your battles, and you 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 call out the media when it is blatant of what they're doing is incorrect. To me, I feel like they felt like they had it cinched for some reason about the crowd attendance, and they felt like I I, I don't think this was a, a they thing. I honestly think this was. You know, and there's no proof. It's it's a Donald thing. This is a Donald thing. And this that's the part, in in my opinion, is is really the most dangerous because you you have a president. We have a president now who's petty, who's very petty. And 
if he's going to be petty about pictures comparing crowd sizes, is he going to be petty uh, in regards to uh, overseas trade or the next war that could pop up? You know, those kind of things. Yeah. And that's that's the part that honestly scares. However, however, uh, long term, big picture, when you go big league with Donald Trump, his image suffers overall if he makes bad choices for the American people. So it may be his own narcissist. His own narcissism is a motivation to be successful so that way he walks away and history views him as a good president. It may be his his very narcissism which drives him to make decisions which finally change things up, potentially, just so he walks Kinda away with it. up, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Yeah. Let's just keep telling ourselves that. Now, this was a report that CBS ran before the inauguration. So before the inauguration, the media was fully aware that it's impossible to make these estimates. Military organizers have spent more than two years preparing for Friday's inauguration. They expect roughly 800,000 people to be on hand. But the exact number remains a mystery and also somewhat of a controversy. As Brooke Silva Braga explains, counting the true inauguration attendance is all but impossible. January 20, 2009, Barack Obama takes the oath of office in front of a record 1.8 million people. At least that was the number reported by The Washington Post, citing D.C. officials. Now, 1.8 million, uh, by the way, the rough kind of numbers for Donald Trump are 800,000. Okay. So everybody was saying 1.8 million for Obama, 1.8 million, 1.8 million. At least that was the number reported by The Washington Post, citing D.C. officials and quickly and often repeated. Even today, literally today, that number, 1.8 million, is given as fact. I came up with something closer to 800,000. Journalism professor Steve Doig's estimate, pretty much all the rigorous estimates were considerably lower. The shots from the podium looking out over the crowd, it looked like a unbroken mass of humanity. In reality, if you looked at the satellite imagery... Which, by the way, would be the same view that Donald Trump had. So Donald Trump, he's like, I I saw... Or uh, what's his name? Uh... Uh, Rance, Rance. Yeah. It, uh, in one of the inter- in one of the speeches that Donald Trump had at the CIA, he said, uh, "You know, I saw, I saw it from the podium. I saw all the people." And what this guy's saying, the specialist is saying, is, "Yeah, from the podium, you don't see the gaps in the crowd." No, you don't. Unbroken mass of humanity. In reality, if you looked at the satellite imagery, the farther back it went, the crowds tended to be clustered around the jumbotrons. The federal government never gave an official number. The National Park Service has been barred from estimating crowds ever since they said just 400,000 people showed up to the Million Man March. Organizers threatened to sue. The government got out of the crowd-guessing game. And in 2009, didn't dispute the 1.8 million figure. Inaugurations are left to folks like Allison Puccioni. I think I kind of stupidly agreed to it because it was a very difficult endeavor. Her day job is tracking military movements with satellite images. She used the same satellite picture as Professor Doig for the 2009 inauguration and the same method. I did a density estimate for every sub area. I think there were about, I don't know, 100. And I did a mathematical equation. The area versus the density estimate equals the number of people. Makes but sense. density yeah. is an ultimately unknowable variable. Puccioni believed the crowd was denser than Doig, and that gave her a much higher estimate, 1.5 million. Okay. Calculations are hampered by satellite resolution, which is limited by government regulation. So somewhere between 500,000 and 1.5 million. Okay. And getting any image at all takes good luck. A satellite only passes a given spot every two to three days. 
Bill Pora works with some of the 20 satellites that can do the job. We're still not at the point that we're going to be able to see individual people, and we're still not at the point that uh, we can say that this is going to be an on-demand feature. So we have no way of taking a snapshot and counting. We really don't know how many people went. It's a pointless argument. So yeah. can, so can we consider the controversy not so much about the attendance, but more so about the war? Oh, between, it's the fight. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. So let's talk about the protests, the march that took place after the inauguration. We should probably start with my favorite response to Donald Trump this week. It took this horrific moment of darkness <laughs> to wake us the fuck up. Oh, by the way, I should say Madonna does uh, swear. And I feel like we can get away with it because CNN, MSNBC and a bunch of others accidentally ran Chris, this. I let my kids listen to the show. Yeah. And, you know, if you're going to drop an F-bomb like that, I appreciate you giving me the heads up. There you go. There's your heads up. There's Thanks. more. There's, uh, <laughs> there's more coming, too, because they didn't cut Madonna off after. Even after she did that, they didn't start bleeping her, even though two minutes into the they had two minutes. They had two minutes to scramble and to our detractors that insist that this march will never add up to anything. Fuck you. This is literally from the CNN feed. I didn't. Yeah, this is straight. Yeah, I know. It is the beginning. She also she said she had she had things like she said things like Donald Trump suck a dick. I mean all kinds uh, of all kinds of things. But the thing that's going to get her probably investigated by the Secret Service. I'm angry. Yes, I am outraged. Yes, I have thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House. Uh, yeah. A what? Uh. That is, you, you're going to get a knock on the door. She's going to get a knock. Yeah, and actually, the Secret Service has released a press statement saying they are going to be investigating Madonna. Yeah, you, you can't say that stuff. Even if that on face value, yeah, she's not going to do anything like that. You just can't do that. Does the celebrity involvement of this at all concern you? Does that feel a little weird? Ashley Judd's there. No, because Madonna's because there. because we saw a lot of media, uh, not media. Uh, Celebrity involvement prior to to the, it's, the election. It's it's it's, it's always been involved. I don't know. It's feeling hyper organized. You got Madonna. You got Ashley Judd, of course. You got your good friend, my buddy, Michael Moore. Oh, Michael so Moore. I woke up this morning, picked up the Washington Post. He's already lost credibility with that hat. And the headline read: Trump takes power. This feels like pandering. I don't think so. Here's the power. Here's the majority of America. That's but but that's obviously not true because Trump was he won the election. Well, he, I think what Michael Moore is doing is the doing a little. Vote. Yeah, he's doing an egg on the which is vote. another reason why I think Trump wants to look into this popular vote thing. But does this not feel like pandering to you? Oh, totally, it's pandering. Totally. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. The, I mean, but that's but that's what you do that at rallies. Set, that doesn't but, but set Chris, off, that doesn't set off alarm bells. To no, you? because that's what you do at rallies. When what you, about okay, when you get me, people you want to you know energize them, get them charged up? You know. Let me ask you this. Okay, so so your celebrities don't bother you. That doesn't concern you that they're that they're somehow at that's this. What they, like, that's what they're supposed. They're to at do. this grassroots events. What about uh, what about when uh, your uh, news personalities are there? 
We love the conservatives enough to tell them that they have to be better conservatives than this. This is Van Jones from CNN. See, so Van's been getting a lot of traction, not just on CNN, but, you know, he's been on The View and he's been on these other things and stuff. I say, you know, if he doesn't want to be a, you know, if CNN's giving him the the leash to do it, then he's going to do it. They now call him Democratic activist Van Jones. Ah, okay. You have to be better conservatives than this. Real conservatives love the Constitution. We have a president who seems to be an authoritarian. So that is uh, okay. So Van, you know, you're, you're comfortable, Van Jones, even there at the at the Women's March, huh? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing, right? It all comes down to our, you know, and I respect on both sides here, and what, obviously what we do, the freedom of speech, First Amendment, right? Okay. He can go up there and say what he wants to do. And then it's up to the people that are in that crowd that are part of that movement if they're going to respect all these famous people, news personalities that are coming up there and, and speaking, if, if they feel like it's you know organic or not. It feels like nobody understands that the establishment is the issue that won Donald Trump the election. Right. And so everybody at this protest, well, first of all, did you vote? And second of all, do you understand that it was the establishment that lost your candidate the election to begin with? Right. And just days after his inauguration, Donald Trump continues to face a wall of resistance. Protesters have been gathering outside the Capitol buildings in Washington and Salt Lake City. And with unrest bubbling away, the new president may struggle to bridge divides, as Caleb Mopan reports. Last Friday, it was finally supposed to all be over. Trump took the oath, supporters applauded, protesters decried him, buildings got vandalized, some people cried, and now, after a roller coaster election, the country can finally just settle down for four years of President Trump. Or can it? Women marched across the country with many saying they're offended by Trump. A Trump supporter who begged to differ was surrounded by the crowd. It was, I mean, it was huge all over the place. Absolutely. This feels like something that maybe won't go away. And, you know, it's one of those things where as long as people are, are, are staying engaged and it, the one, th- the only thing that kind of bothered me about this whole March thing over the weekend, which by the way, I mean, it was huge. I mean, it was, I know it was everywhere is I understand the whole women's rights movement and I totally respect a woman's right to choose. I know that might be controversial, but whatever. I also respect uh, the the fact that you know there's a lot of inequalities when it comes to, like women's pay and, and and you know leave time and that sort of thing. But what was I mean? There's got to be I don't know what what's the action here? What's the focus to to cause disruption? To to get engaged locally? I mean, when I see movements like this, they don't tend to go anywhere. I mean, you look what happened with Occupy, right? Occupy Wall Street and, you know, occupying all these different cities. And that fizzled out. If for this movement to be effective, what's the big focus? What's the end game? What do they want? They just want Trump out of there? I think I could give you an idea of what the end game is, but it involves... Ah, some conspiracy bacon from Seattle. So here's what I suspect, Chase, is this is a multi-pronged attempt to delegitimize Trump over the long term. I'm going to play some clips about legitimate President Trump in the uh, overtime coming up, but I'll just put it this way. I think this is part of an overall strategy to continually build a pushback narrative against Trump for his entire four years. 
Um, the women's rights and the protests against Trump are a very important part of that narrative. And so is the discussion about Trump's ties to Russia, the continued investigations into violations of the Logan Act, the potential Russian, quote unquote, meddling with the election. All of these are part of a really super important foundational narrative that will serve to undermine Trump for the next four years. Right. Okay. So it's not so much about what the individual people are because the people that are putting this together have have deep ties to the establishment. The people that are organizing these protests uh, come down to about 50 companies. It is it is a deeply establishment-tied movement and right. I believe the establishment – that it, the, the particular group of establishment that is behind this movement is better served by undermining and, Trump and long the, And what, what bothers me is sometimes people – are very easily distracted that we've shown on this show many, many times. And the way I see it is don't get so focused on Donald Trump, even though he is the president and it's very easy to be focused on him. I think you where know, you, where you inflict the change is through Congress and, well, and, and, and where yeah. I'm there, serious. There, I there mean, is a legitimate, there is a legitimate aspect to creating public opinion about pushing discussion forward, about getting people to get involved and get fired up. So that way when the next, but when the midterms right. and when the midterms roll it's, around and when the elections come here, the, the, you got just that. What bothers me is just this. I, I see this ever increasing bigger and bigger rift yeah. between well, here's the real tragedy and, and trying to label us into two different camps. It creates greater divide, and the people at these movements, the people at these marches, have so many legitimate reasons to be upset. And they're like they're not just Donald Trump's fault. They're like thirty years of bad policy that has just a just 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 has pissed so many people off and it's cultural reasons it's it's government reasons it's financial reasons like there's so many reasons that these people have been wronged yeah. and it's not just women at these marches absolutely and and the big picture is they're likely getting played by a by a set of groups a group of people who are just trying to create a narrative and yeah. it's almost kind of tragic in a sense yeah that because what worries me is you see Trump, you know, doing all these executive orders, right? These first couple of weeks, I actually went back and I uh, someone someone posted uh, somewhere saying I don't remember Obama doing this, right? So I'm like, I'm going to fact check this. I'm going to I'm going to do some research and and I go back and I look that Obama did 15 executive orders in his first two weeks of taking office back in 2008. Okay, so this is not unprecedented. Uh, he yeah. he did a lot of things to roll back the Iraq War stuff. What I'm saying is. What what's going to happen in four years, right? When we get if we get a Democratic president, right? It, it it's just going to flip to the extremes more, and then flip the extremes more to to what end? And, and that's yeah, that what, pendulum swing that we tend to go through, right? And this pendulum swing is starting to swing even wider now. You know, it's it, it feels like it's getting wider, and maybe it's because of the uh, now we have more outlets to communicate. You know, Facebook and Twitter and podcasting and things like that. I just it worries me that we're becoming so divided. And it's over sometimes small things. Here's what really sometimes. gets me too is the politicians themselves are much more chummy than than we than we realize this far out from it. Oh yeah. They're like, okay, let's play I'll play you two clips. So right. while we're all at war, while the people are all divided, fighting each other, while people are marching, and what rights have been taken away? 
uh, uh, it's January 25th, 2017. Correct. What rights have, have been taken away? Right. So they're they're protesting, they're fighting, they're everybody is divided. Meanwhile, the politicians, they're all yucking up with each other. Even Trump and the Clintons. You know, I, I'll tell you, there is something that I wanted to say because I was very honored, very very honored when I heard that this got very little play because. He got criticism for not giving acknowledgement to Hillary Clinton in his inauguration speech at the at, – he right. got criticism for not mentioning Clinton in that speech. And then here he is hours later at 3 o'clock. His speech is at noon. Here he is at 3 o'clock and very little play about this. President Bill Clinton and Secretary Hillary Clinton was coming today and I think it's appropriate to say – and I'd like you to stand up. I'd like you to stand up. Hillary is sitting next to sitting next to Nancy Pelosi. Then uh, two over from Nancy Pelosi is one of Trump's daughters. That's Trump clapping that loud clap. And honestly, there's nothing more I can say because I have a lot of respect for those two people. So thank you all for being here, and uh, we're going to have four great years, hopefully of peace and prosperity. Uh, we'll be working very, very hard. Our cabinets lined up and ready. So you can they even these two are 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 kind of chummy. But then this, if you don't understand how chummy these politicians are, watch this absolute awkward shit show in the signing ceremony. Look how weird this gets. Yeah. The current president just uh, had some signing orders. I want to listen in. Yeah. Uh, get another stack coming. Yeah, I'd like to give some pens out. I'd like to give some pens out. Pens on the name. Chuck Schumer gets the first pen. Nancy Pelosi pulls the papers out to see who she gets. Schumer gives his back. You're going to get your shirts. You getting some more pens back there? This is fun. Tom Price. Pelosi's upset because she got Tom Price and she wants to trade with somebody. Uh, Come here. I'll give you a lane. Do you want a lane? Yeah. Oh, okay. Don't worry. Tom is not in charge. No, no, no. Mr. President. Mr. President. The leader wants a lane. Oh, yeah. the leader wants a lane. And then she, like, then she's... should have a lane. Isn't this weird? This is such a weird tradition. This is a very inside White House thing. They go on like you can see Nancy Pelosi, like she gets somebody else's name and she's like, oh, my gosh, I don't want this guy either. It goes on for two minutes, Chase, this weird, awkward, chummy. How would you feel if you're a cabinet member and you're hearing this like, I don't want your pen. I'm like, man, I I just wanted the job, man. So let's talk about those executive actions. It has not taken President Donald Trump long to jump into his new role feet first. On this first Monday of his first week in office, the president set about to fulfill some campaign promises that got him elected. Today's topics, business, trade, and the economy. And after a fiery weekend interacting with the media, his press secretary confronted a briefing room full of reporters head on. 
Chief White House Correspondent John Roberts starts us, starts us off tonight from the White House. Good evening, John. Brad, good evening to you. President Trump had promised to hit the ground running and agree with what he did today or not. He certainly made good on that pledge. With a stroke of his executive pen, President Donald Trump fulfilled a central campaign promise and killed one of President Obama's signature trade deals, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Great thing for the American worker, what we just did. The action drew a sharp response from Republican Senator John McCain, who tweeted, quote, POTUS withdrawing from TPP is a serious mistake for America's economy and strategic position in the Asia-Pacific. Meeting with union leaders this afternoon, the president defended his actions, insisting TPP was not in America's best interests. You guys did a great job. The president also signed two other executive orders, one implementing a hiring freeze on federal workers, the other reinstating the so-called Mexico City policy, prohibiting federal funding of foreign organizations that promote or provide abortions. That's going to be the most controversial well, thing which, right there. Which, well, which, by the way, though, before Obama... Bush had it. So it's been a, a football back and forth between yeah. Republican and Democratic and I think presidents. it mostly applies to GMOs. So yeah. uh, now it's interesting. Anytime Trump does something, one of the first Republicans out of the gate to say something back is McCain. Senator John McCain of Arizona is one of the few Republican lawmakers to criticize the president for withdrawing from the Trans-Pacific Partnership. In a statement, he called it, quote, a serious mistake that will have lasting consequences for America's economic and our strategic strategic position in the Asia-Pacific region. Now, of course, he thinks this is going to make a lot of he's thinking long term it's going to make China a more powerful trade player. And that's why he's concerned about it. Trump's thinking short term about gerbs. McCain's yeah. thinking long term about China becoming you know a much bigger player, right. the predominant superpower. There's also that little detail about the Dakota pipeline. Just that little. Oh yeah. This is with regard to the construction of the Keystone Pipeline. Something that's been in dispute, and it's subject to a renegotiation of terms by us. We're going to renegotiate some of the terms, and if they'd like, we'll see if we can get that pipeline built. A lot of jobs, 28,000 jobs, great construction jobs. I mean, the protesters are already responding. I was listening yeah. to a local radio broadcast that was near there. I think it was... It wasn't coming out of that direct area, but the, broad, the radio broadcaster said that you can already see that people are like doubling down on the encampments already. Right. Yeah. No, it's it, it, And what was weird about that executive order is actually he try uh, he called out uh, Trans Canada, I believe, by, yeah. by name, which is very unusual to do in an executive order. So then there was also the bit of changes budget wise for the EPA. Days into his presidency, Donald Trump is sending chills down the spines of environmentalists and some EPA employees. He's put a freeze on regulations, and CNN has learned Trump also ordered a freeze on some EPA grants and contracts to states. That might not actually be a bad idea if, if you're intending to unfreeze after a review. Right. That's that's sort of my look on it. So that's one of those wait-and-see things, but it's definitely worth it's pretty serious. It's a pretty serious executive action to be taken. There's also some eyebrows that are being raised on a comment that he made recently about Iraq. And I just thought it'd be interesting to the unfiltered audience. Old expression, to the victor belong the spoils. You remember I always used to say, keep the oil. I wasn't a fan of Iraq. I don't want to go into Iraq. God, the way this guy talks is really something else. It, it, all, uh, it feels so far, and it's only been less than a week, but it feels so far that he's still campaigning. 
you know, like he he still needs to hit the same talking points that got him elected. Yeah, my only thought is that he's so fresh off the campaign trail, so early on the job, right? That this that this is this is where he can still pull from, and he's he's also an off the cuffer because he has such a short attention span that he can't read a script and memorize it. So he just has to kind of roll, and he, he bombs when he reads a teleprompter. So he just kind of off the cuffs it. But I will tell you, when we were in, we got out wrong. And I always said, in addition to that, keep the oil. Now, I said it for economic reasons. Keep the but oil. If you think about it, Mike, if we kept the oil, you probably wouldn't have ISIS because that's where they made their money in the first place. So we should have kept the oil. But OK. No, where they made their money in the first place was our allies bought the oil. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll have another chance. But the fact- Maybe you'll have another chance to keep the oil. To go economic keep the oil. Reasons. But if you think about it, Mike, if we kept the oil, you probably wouldn't have ISIS because that's where they made their money in the first place. So we should have kept the oil. But OK, <laughs> maybe you'll have another chance. But the fact is, should have kept the oil. Let's go to our Pentagon correspondent, Barbara Starr. Barbara, a lot of uh, questions about what the president meant uh, when he said maybe you'll have another chance to take the oil. We're talking about those huge oil fields in Iraq. Now let's let's. We're, I love that. Now all of a sudden the media is going to pretend like a lot of our Middle East policy isn't based around oil. We're going to pretend like that is <laughs> right. Yeah. And then we're going to go get a quote from the military who's going to be like, "No, we're not in there because no, of oil. No, no. Well, no. you know what? That's probably the military's not the military is in there because they were ordered by the commander in chief. Now, why did the commander in chief have you in there? That's <laughs> but just the 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 innocence that the military industrial complex sort of veins about this entire thing is so priceless. I wanted us to watch it. It's just it's beautiful. And Barbara Starr conveys it so well. She's so obviously in their back pocket. Oh, yeah. Uh, what are you hearing? Well, Wolf, I think it's fair to say there's a lot of raised eyebrows because the U.S. military at this point has no idea what Donald Trump is talking about. What could oil in Iraq? Poppy seed? What could he be talking about? Oil? No. Uh, the, the U.S. military, oil? Is that? When he says that, and to the victor goes the spoils, uh, that's called pillaging, and that is something the U.S. military does not do. <laughs> no. No, we don't. We don't go occupy a territory and then take advantage of its natural resources, divvy things out to private corporations that are based in the U.S., and then leave them with a uh, puppet government. <laughs> that's Now, oh, wait, wait that's, that's also looting? Shit. <laughs> Shit, we do that. Oh, no! It's called pillaging, and that is something the U.S. military does not do. Oh, pillaging. It's against military law. <laughs> it's against international law. And today did not go any length to try and straighten that out at the White House. <laughs> Huh. Isn't that kind of the no oil in Iraq? Never. Oh. So then uh, Trump had his first big interview on ABC News, and I actually was going to play the ABC interview for you, but uh, your buddy, my good friend Brooke, just uh, clipped it for us. So we oh. got. I figured let's just go this route. So they, uh, they which was, is supposed to air tonight, by the right, way, right. Uh, on ABC but at ten p.m. But there's been big news about that wall, and here it is. Again, with the president starting to make good on a major campaign promise, he just signed executive action that will fund a wall along that U.S.-Mexico border. We're waiting to get tape uh, of him actually signing that executive order, so we'll turn it around for tape you. But chase. Uh, the president Let's also the just tape. revealed, though, that Mexico will not be funding it the way a lot of Americans were expecting. Instead of actually paying up front, Mexico will be reimbursing you, the American taxpayer. You know, I always kind of thought this was what he was talking about, in a sense. 
Yeah. But, that's, but you know what? Here's tell me which works better as a campaign slogan. Mexico will pay for the wall. Or one day through a complicated process, Mexico <laughs> will reimburse us for the wall. Right. Yeah. The first one's much more appealing. As the president clarified to ABC News in a clip that just released minutes ago. Go for it, Brooke. Are you going to direct U.S. funds to pay for this wall? Will American taxpayers pay for the wall? Uh, Ultimately, it'll come out of what's happening with Mexico. We're going to be starting those negotiations relatively soon. And we will be in a form reimbursed by Mexico, which I've so always said. So they'll pay said. us back? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Yes. So the American taxpayer will pay for the wallet first? Uh, all it is is we'll be reimbursed at a later date from whatever transaction we make from Mexico. Mexico's president said in recent days that Mexico absolutely will not pay, adding that it goes against our dignity as a country and our dignity as Mexicans. I love Trump's answer to this because it's so real. It, this is what people do like I heard this him. answer. I, I, yeah, go ahead. As Mexicans. He says well, quite simply they're has, not paying. David, I think he has to say that. He has to say that. But I'm yeah, just he does. Talking, he does he, have he to totally say that. has to say that. The, yeah. uh, there will be a payment. It will be in a form, perhaps a complicated form. I love that. And you have to understand what I'm doing is good for <laughs> the United States. It's also going to be good for Mexico. We want to have a very stable, very solid Mexico. When does construction begin? As soon as we can. That's going to haunt him. Because the way he answers this question, this is... Very solid Mexico. When does construction begin? As soon as we can. As soon as we can physically do it, we're... uh, Within months? uh, I would say in months, yeah. I would say in months. Certainly planning is starting immediately. All right, Chris. Big road book prediction right here. All right. Okay. All right. Big, oh, this oh, is a big one. This is going to be oh, real simple. He says months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to give him six. Is this like, is this, wait, is this in Guantanamo years? Or is <laughs> no, this, no, uh, no, no, no. This is, this is actual human years. Oh, okay. Okay. Six months. Will Trump build a wall or start construction? Sorry, because it's going to take a long time. Yes or no? So you want us to make predictions, both of us? Yeah. I'm going to say no. It's not going to happen. Well, in six months, will they be breaking ground? Right. Will we'll, 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 construction have started on the southern wall? Now, this is this part of the Trump doubting that's plagued him since the beginning? Well, a little I, bit. I I'm going to say so. I'm going to say Chase. No. Yeah. Chris. Yeah. What does Chris say? No. <laughs> well, yeah. Nice drama. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just don't see it. I just really don't see it. Right. Uh, but, you know. Will it ever get built? I don't. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I honestly didn't think he'd do some of the stuff he's already done. I thought it wouldn't happen. You're right. I thought he was going to have really good <laughs> yeah. excuses. We've, so. we've been wrong on a lot of things. I don't know what to say. If- I. I just. Some estimates have said that this wall is going to cost billions, right? And I'm thinking, and they're going to have to seize land, right? There's yeah. Gonna be- there's some complicatedness involved here. Why don't we put that money towards healthcare or something? I don't know. I'm just, I mean, isn't there a better purpose for that money? I don't know. Uh, our, our bridges, roads, you know, I would way power. rather see that money going to roads. Yeah. Yeah. Bridges, transit. Yeah. Yep. I mean, honestly, I mean, and, and now he has said that he wants to do that, you know, big infrastructure project thing. You know, he's he's uh, been coming up with a list and that sort of thing. Here's the scenario in which so. that makes sense. If it's actually, if it's like, if it's like uh, the TSA, it's like the <laughs> next Republican jobs program. Right. Just like the DHS has been. Yeah, yeah. Then I would say if it's because they're going to get this in this complicated form, they're going to get this money back from Mexico and they can only use it for certain types of things. Yeah. 
this could be one of the ways to use that money. And okay. in that scenario, maybe I yeah. don't know, Chase. Yeah. I don't. Uh, let's talk about the voter fraud because right. this, I think, could go somewhere. It's a story I'm going to be watching. Trump wants it to go somewhere. Remember I told you it's a rigged system, right? It's terrible. And not rigged for us, believe me. Today, President Trump announcing without any proof he wants a, quote, major investigation into... Without any proof. President Trump without any proof. Now... Because it goes back to what you said. He wants to win. Yeah, I know. I I agree. And they're trying to make that point, but... uh, wouldn't you say that after the investigation? Do you right. usually say there isn't any... Isn't that what the point of the investigation all, is? All, all the extra votes that should have uh, went to me went to Hillary because it's fraud. That's he basically what he's saying. major investigation into voter fraud. Tweeting, the focus will be on those registered to vote in two states, those who are illegal, and those registered to vote who are dead. Hi, Donald John Trump. The call comes on the heels of his repeated and unfounded claim that three to five million people voted illegally in... So repeated and unfounded claim. And then earlier in the clip, they say no proof. I actually I don't really have them. I don't have a problem with them being this critical of Donald Trump and the way he speaks. What I would like is this same level of criticality applied to all of their reporting about the election. None of these words have ever been used when they're reporting about the Russian hacking. There's zero proof about the Russian hacking, and they never once alluded to the level of doubt that they allude in this one single report. Be- because that, that was put out by the government of, of Barack Obama, and the media ate it up like a lapdog. And now that it's about Trump, it's no proof, and his claims, and his narcissism. But if it's about the Russians, they take it, they eat it all up, and they never even tell you that there's disagreement between the FBI, or that the NSA won't fully sign off on a high confidence, only as a medium. They don't tell you about the fact that they don't have any single particular point of evidence. But when it comes to this stuff, oh, they're couching. Who states those who are illegal and those registered to vote who are dead. Hi, Donald John Trump. The call comes on the heels of his repeated and unfounded claim that three to five million people voted illegally in the election, costing him the popular vote. Trump lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton by nearly three million votes. Isn't the dead people voting thing like a known thing? That That thing has been popping up in these elections for as long as I can remember. It's my entire life. Yeah. I think it's always been something people have talked about. Today, the White House said the probe will go beyond the 2016 election. Did you hear about Bannon? What about him? He's registered to oh, vote tw- in two, in two places. states. Yeah, I did <laughs> Come that. on. That's great. I mean. That's great. Yeah. Now, when I heard this statement from Spicer, it almost it almost made, it almost sort of gave me chills. Like, now we're in charge. We're going to be changing things. I, I don't know. We'll be on the 2016 election. We have to understand where the problem exists, how, how deep it goes. What problem? And then suggest some remedies to it. But who? That is unsettling to me. Would be in charge of the investigation remains a mystery. Department of Justice officials who would typically handle voter fraud allegation investigations say there's no predication, such as a specific credible allegation of voter fraud, to even launch an investigation. But yeah, when it comes to the Russians, when it comes to the Russians, we're going to have two different investigative bodies in our government look into it. Are you worried that possibly they'll invent something, like as evidence, like... I think there is fraud. I think Trump probably knows of. I think so. Here's what here's what goes on. But in, three in, million worth of fraud. Three million votes worth of fraud. Hillary Clinton chase. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I do think. But that. all right. But let me throw this out there. I think he. What's knows. the point in doing it now? He wants that popular vote. He wants to win. But it's not going to be overturned. It's not going to change. 
It'll, but they'll have it in the record as well. Trump did. Tech, Trump won the popular vote and the electoral college. Yeah, but but they won't they won't change the results. That will not happen. No, they're not, no, it'll just go down in history as Trump won both. No, I'll go we'll look at Wikipedia. There will not be an asterisk there. There will not be any little uh, indicator. It will have the numbers, and that will be that. If you looked at the way that they stacked the DNC, the way that Hillary stacked the superdelegates, something tells me it was not within without. Something tells me it was it was feasible for that camp to also somehow manipulate the popular vote. We played those Veritas tapes about busing people around to different cities. Right. Yeah. It seems possible to me. Yeah, well. And it seems like that insiders like the Trump people would know about these kind of things. They would get wind even if there's not official reports. What we get told in the media, they probably knew about – Like, it, for example, for a great example, last week or two weeks ago even, we talked about the piss report. Right. That report about Donald Trump hiring hookers to piss on a bed that Obama slept in had been circulating in D.C. for months. Yeah, at long least, time. At least since the summer. Yeah. And it didn't make the till the media until December or January. Yeah, it took a while. So these people, they know they. There's probably somebody told them something. They have an insider, and either that, or he's totally 100 percent blinded by narcissism. Either way, we maybe we'll find out. Well, we've seen a lot of narcissistic qualities of of the guy. So yeah, it's possible. There is uh, no evidence that uh, people voted unlawfully in the November election and certainly not by the millions. Yeah, I just I just find I can't play the rest of this clip because I find their bias in reporting to be just too frustrating to watch. So let's shift gears. Let's 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 lift it up a little bit with a high note. Let's cover pot moms. You ready for this? Pot moms. Pot moms. All right. Nancy, you just have to make it look like you're running a bakery to legitimize your dealing. You just called me a dealer. You are a dealer. We're in my house. I'm not a dealer. I'm a mother who happens to distribute illegal products through a sham bakery set up by my ethically questionable CPA and his friend. Then half of all states, Chip Reed is at a medical Chip. marijuana cultivation center in Washington, D.C., as so-called pot moms fight the stigma the of their Chip job. Weed? Chip, good morning. Well, good morning. We are in the flower room, and in about five weeks, these little buds, like the one you see here, will grow up to become medical marijuana. Wait, 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 wait. Chris, you and I, we talk about production. We talk about looking at the shot and framing the shot. Do you know what I'm looking at right now? Uh, his outfit? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know why I'm looking at it, Chris? Because it's all in the, in the shot. It's like for some reason they were more excited about his outfit than anything else. But it's not just that. It's very blue. It, no, no, no. You, you, maybe you're missing it. They had him put on a yes. surgeon's Oh, I didn't cover. miss it. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. I know it's Why? Look, he even. This is a grow up. He even has booties on. Look, on this, you can't see on this white shop, but oh barely down God, there, he's got yeah. booties on. Holy even. crap. Yeah. Right. We are in the flower room. He's and wearing in about scrubs. Five weeks, these little buds, like the one you see here, will grow up to become medical marijuana. You're about to meet a group of women who deal with the unique challenge of working in this blooming industry while also being moms. And when he does that, it starts Moms. to feel sexist. Yes. Would you do this if it was dads working in this blooming industry? No, because dudes are like getting high and it's not not serious, yo. That's But that's sexist. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah. Guess what? Women also smoke pot. Yeah. 
I, I this entire thing shows the bias in the way they approach the subject and the and the built in, and the sexism that is built into their coverage. PTSD, depression, insomnia, eczema. Is there anything that marijuana does not help with? I don't know yet. <laughs> Shonda Macias calls herself a pharmacist, but the medical marijuana she is licensed to distribute while legal in D.C. is illegal under federal law. When you see our patients come in every day and they say that I can have a quality of life, to me, that's my purpose. The former cell biologist has a Ph.D. and an MBA, but first and foremost, she's a mother to four children. So it's almost like... They're amazed that a woman could have children and also be intelligent and hold down a job. She's educated and she's also growing marijuana. Her uterus can produce life and she can run a business. It's incredible. So let's run it on the CBS Morning News. It's (laughs) unbelievable. Keep it right here. We found the one woman in the nation who can have children and run a business, everybody. So your seven-year-old MJ, has he ever seen this room? Oh, no. No. He hasn't seen this room. Her youngest is just seven, and she's trained him in the art of answering tough questions. What does mommy do for a living? She's... A pharmacist. A pharmacist. Mm-hmm. And she, what does she, what does she give people? This makes me angry that that she is, that she is either willing or that she has been sort of coerced to putting her seven-year-old boy, this is the age of my son, in this position. That it, it, it's in the same position as when I see very young kids holding signs at protests. It's exploitation. Yep. Medicine. 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 And what does that medicine do? It, it gets me high. Oh, Those wow. answers work for now, but Macias knows that as MJ gets older, his questions will become more pointed. And they got her to go to school and walk with him holding hands. They had to blur out the other kids at school. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Pop moms, Chase. Pop, Pop moms. moms. Yeah. Uh, but it is interesting to see uh, in some ways, like they're doing a better job of covering it. They did, they, then they did a big interview. Some of the biggest <laughs> anxieties that, that we all Because share. they're pop moms, Chase. They're pop moms. Eh. Uh, but I did. I, I actually kind of felt like him wearing scrubs was actually almost a sign of respect in a sense, too. Respect, but I mean, but then he doesn't wear gloves and he's touching the plants. It's this is all for show. Now, eight of these medical marijuana cultivation centers right here in Washington, D.C., and they're popping up all across the nation as more and more states legalize marijuana for medical purposes and in some states for recreational use. Gail? (laughs) Chip, I just have to ask, why are you wearing doctor scrubs? Is this just part of the look of this particular company? Or are you a pharmacist, too? It just looks cool. No, 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 I'm Chip Reed. The new show is called Ask Your Pharmacist. That's right. Is the camera person wearing? They actually make too. everybody who comes into these growing rooms wear these things and wear little things. Is your photographer so that we don't wearing? Track I doubt it. In or out. Well, it is a look. Or take anything. I was going to say you could wear sweatshirts and jeans too. But it is a look. Thank you, Chip. Chip weed, everybody. Chip weed. Thanks, Chip weed. Yeah. So maybe they're having some fun, but uh, yeah. I, I guess I guess those I guess those moms aren't too worried about federal blowback. Uh, you know there Not is yet, a, anyway. I almost covered this last week, but I thought this was like a blip on the radar so I didn't I didn't run it and I now looking back I should have because now there's like there's five more blips this week on this radar there is a new group of doctors that are pushing hard to legalize medical cannabis and can you guess who that group is I'll get it's, it's a group of doctors it's a whole profession of doctors uh, uh, 
a profession of doctors, yeah. uh, uh, foot doctors. Yeah, that's a good guess. That's a good guess because I'm sure there's probably some, like yeah. a, like a like a lotion or something. Yeah. No, uh, veterinarians. Ah, that was my second guess. Several bills this legislative session that would legalize medical marijuana, and some veterans organizations are backing that push. News Channel 15's Holly Campbell talked to a veteran at the heart of the issue. Wait a minute, Chase. What? No, it's uh, it's the Veteran Affairs, and uh, the Veteran Affairs, ESPN, and all of these have been pushing very hard for uh, cannabis medical research. Not necessarily full legalization, like in terms of the vets here, they're not full legalization, but they're like let's let's allow more research. The American Legion recently passed a resolution supporting medical marijuana research. Today, I talked to the veteran who wrote that resolution about how he thinks cannabis can help veterans. Every 30 minutes, a veteran dies of prescription pain medication overdose. If you do the numbers, you're looking at uh, 17,520 veterans dying each year. Veteran Jeff Staker says the answer is easy. Can no, Jeremy, it's, it's not veterinarians. It's veterans. Cannabis is a, is a medication, and it should be treated as such. Staker is the organizer behind Hoosier Veterans for Medical Cannabis, a nonprofit. Who's your veterans, Chase? <laughs> that has been pushing to legalize medical marijuana. He believes it can help veterans dealing with things like traumatic brain injuries and even post-traumatic stress disorders. It's amazing. For months, he's been reaching out to lawmakers. This package right here is what we sent out to all of our state legislators. And has gained support from the VFW, DAV, and vets, and most recently, the American Legion. I submitted a uh, resolution to the American Legion that passed their midwinter um, conference last week, and I've got the support of over 100,000 veterans. Lawmakers will consider a number of bills this session that would make medical marijuana available to Hoosiers. And Staker says his mission won't end until medical cannabis is made available to veterans in Indiana. The VA is cutting back on, on how they prescribe opiates. Uh, for me, it wasn't a problem to get off of it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of veterans out there yeah, that uh, exactly. became addicted to it. Yeah. And when you cut them off, they're going to feed their addiction. Oof. I think that would be a huge thing for them. Yes, I agreed. Very agreed. And you know what? Yes, Chris. Anything, anything that makes their lives even slightly better is worth fast-tracking. Absolutely. 100%. Mr. Chase. Yes, Chris. The show isn't quite over yet. We do no. have overtime coming overtime. up. But if folks are splitting off and going their own way, I feel ways. like we could leave them with a few tiny bits of wisdom. Yes. Perhaps they want to contact you throughout the week. Maybe they want to follow me, as they say on the Twitters, at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. And also, I do some uh, game streaming over on Twitch. I'd love it if you follow me there. Twitch.tv slash TV. By the way, I want to throw out a special comment and a very special shout out to one of our unfiltered listeners. Now, last week, I, I wasn't able to make it to the show, but last week, Tuesday, uh, got a tweet, uh, and it wasn't directed at me, from Gina Carano. Do you know who that person oh, yeah, is? yeah, yeah, yeah. She's an MMA fighter, actress. Yeah, she yeah. was in Command & Conquer, you, oh, uh, yeah, American Gladiators. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, she... She likes the show? She listens to our show and That's tweeted awesome. out to all of her peeps. So big shout out to her. I yeah. know she listens. Thank you so much for listening. That bell is awesome. for her. A bell Chris, for her. you've been putting out some awesome bl- vlogs. Oh, thank you, sir. Lots of great drone work. <laughs> you didn't hit Space Needle. Where can people find that stuff? YouTube.com slash Chris, F-I-S-H-E-R. That's your name. Give it a subscribe. If you liked one of the videos, share it around. Or follow me on the Twitters at Chris Elias. Follow the network at Jupiter Signal. Get our live times at JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar. And yes. submit content. On our subreddit, unfiltered.runit.com. Yeah! Okay, everybody. Hey, 
Thanks for tuning in this week's episode of the Unfilter Show. If you liked it, stick around for the overtime coming up. Consider supporting us at patreon.com slash unfilter. And we'll see you right back here next week. show while well, we were just fooling hide your kids hide your wife it's officially time for the unfiltered overtime for episode 223 brought to you by patreon.com slash unfiltered thank you to our new supporters who signed up this week david kyle dag hallard hillard i think you're throwing me on that one day dag Taylor, Andrew, and Dalton, our new patrons that signed up at patreon.com slash unfilter. This segment, dedicated to you and everyone who supports us over there. So let's get into it. Let's get into your overtime. You want to do something fun off the top of overtime? Let's shake it up. We just got through all the heavy stuff. We had our high note. Let's talk about UFOs, telekinesis, and spies. Yes, yes, that's right. The CIA has just declassified 12 million pages of spy notes. The CIA has released online the largest collection of declassified records after yielding to pressure from activists. It means decades of U.S. intelligence files are now accessible to the general public. Oh, good. And the agency created a searchable database of more than 12 million pages of declassified files are going from the 1940s to the 1990s. Now, they were already available to the public, but very difficult to access. So you had to go to a federal building, get access, and then there were only four computers available. The files were... It's like totally pre-internet, guys. ...published online after a lawsuit from activists. And the files reveal information, well, all the way from Nazi war crimes to attempts to assassinate Fidel Castro. Uh, okay, for a second, I mean, just for a hot second, guys, I thought he was going to say John F. Kennedy. I mean, I realize now that doesn't make any sense, but for a hot second. Well, all the way from Nazi war crimes to attempts to assassinate Fidel Castro. Uh, Kennedy. Among others. <laughs> We don't really need to watch uh, RT's infograph on it, but they had a good they had a good chuckle at all of it. And then, of course, they do their typical like making a little bit of fun at it and show you some of the highlights of the notes. So, if you do want to see that, you can catch that in the supporters' sink. While we're talking about the CIA, though, let's talk about Donald Trump and his speech there. Donald Trump, the president of the United States, just wrapped up a visit to CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia, where he spoke to agency employees and took the opportunity to hammer reporters. Jake Tapper sounds like a pissed off parent. Well, my son was supposed to be involved in the school play, but he stuck his dick out. And address questions about the size of the crowds at yesterday's inauguration. Let's bring in CNN's chief national security correspondent, uh, Jim Shudo. Uh, and, and Jim, one would think... Now, it's kind of hard for you to see this now, so you'll just have to take Chris's word for this, because I watch their coverage live. By the way, look at Jim's face. He's doing that sucking the lips together thing like... That son of a bitch. So uh, Jim and uh, Jake are sitting there watching Trump's speech live. CNN ran it, of course. And uh, they were getting they were getting text messages from somebody 
somebody telling them about the hollowed ground, about how precious this place was. They were getting information coming on their phones. And if you see this clip now, you can just barely see it. No, that Zoom did not work at all. You can just barely see it down there. They have their phones down there. They were, so these I, – I suspect that these may not be their actual own self-articulated opinions or, or more so they're articulating the opinions of somebody they, they respect or somebody they think is an authority on this. Uh, perhaps a former CIA director named Leon Panetta. Oh, I mean, uh, one would think that uh, after literally years of bashing intelligence officials and their work, literally years, Donald Trump now not not just uh, not just during the campaign, but years of bashing the intelligence agencies. Remember, in the world of the media, the CIA, you don't touch them. They're they're holy. They're the Pope. They're, you do not you do not denigrate the all holy intelligence agency whose entire job it is to lie to us. You do not denigrate them. Um, sometimes not without cause, by the way, uh, that he might seek this opportunity to talk about them and their risking of lives. He was standing in front of the CIA memorial wall with those anonymous stars. You can hear the framing here. Jake's trying to frame it. He was standing in front of that wall. You think he would have taken this time to talk about them and their sacrifices. He's framing a narrative here for you that Trump went there and he was a narcissist. Trump went there and he was all about himself. He was self-obsessed. It's not without cause, by the way, uh, that he might seek this opportunity to talk about them and their risking of lives. He was standing in front of the CIA memorial wall with those anonymous stars behind him. But instead he talked about reporters. Well, he talked about pretty much everything else, right? I mean, as reporters, he talked about favorable news coverage from Fox. He talked about the crowd sizes yesterday. Uh, You know, that's actually not true. Funny enough, (laughs) I don't know how this happened. Chris accidentally has the clip to that. And uh, that's – he didn't talk – yes, he did talk about the crowd size. He did talk about his speech. He talked about several – and he also – he very much talked about them, kind of ridiculously so. We're not talking about the balls and we're not talking about even the speeches. You see how you see how he opens up and saying he's not going to talk about the speeches, and then he ends up talking about the speeches. Although they did treat me nicely on that speech yesterday, <laughs> I always call them the dishonest media, but they treated me nicely. I want to just let you know I am so behind you. See, then he starts talking about wait for it them, just like they they just criticized Trump about this. And if you go, this is their own. By the way, this was their own network feed. You can see the lower the CNN lower third there. So they were sitting there watching this. The two men that we were just hearing from saying that he didn't talk about the CIA were sitting there watching him talk about the CIA. This is their feed. I took this from earlier in the feed. Okay, behind you. And I know maybe sometimes you haven't gotten the backing that you've wanted. And you're going to get so much backing. Backing, guys. Maybe you're going to say, please don't give us so much backing. (laughs) Mr. President, please, we don't need that much backing. So, yeah, obviously he talked about the speech a little bit. He talked about several things, but in there he talked about supporting them. He talked about them being at the front of the overall effort that the United States has, whatever that meant. They're at the front of it, bigly. (laughs) So when CNN says that he's – not only do they kind of lie about what the speech was about, but then they say he's disrespectful. That he might seek this opportunity to talk about them and their risking of lives. He was standing in front of the CIA memorial wall with those anonymous stars behind him. But instead he talked about reporters. 
No, he talked about backing them in a way that nobody's ever backed them. He talked about them being on the front lines of whatever their efforts are. He did talk about the other stuff, too. Well, he talked about pretty much everything else, right? I mean, his reporters, he talked about favorable news coverage from Fox. He talked about the crowd sizes yesterday, uh, a whole host of things, really from the sort of Donald Trump uh, greatest hits list of, of, of uh, rally-like comments. This is always what they say. This is about building a narrative that he's a narcissist because it's likely very true. And so CNN knows that they can really hit him on that because it is a legitimate soft spot. As opposed to this kind of visit, which seemed to have the intention of going to the intelligence community after this rocky relationship. really reached- Rocky relationship defined by them. Rocky. Re- this is this is the other thing is they're the ones that are defining it as a rocky relationship. Being a peak after his election, these nasty tweets comparing the intelligence community to Nazi Germany, yeah. many others uh, criticizing and questioning their assessment of Russian interference in the election. It would have been very easy to go there and say, you guys are hard, hard working. You take a lot of risks. I support he you. He did say he that. He did say that mixed in with a lot of other stuff. Oh, so now it's he did say that. Oh, oh. So what was it a minute ago? What was it? A, it was a minute ago. It was he didn't say he said anything but that stuff. You you were the man that just said that. And, and frankly, and I've been getting texts and emails about this from intelligence professionals. Uh-huh. To do it in front of that memorial wall, 117 stars there. See, this isn't their opinion. You see here. You see what's happening here? This isn't their opinion. This is the opinion of Leon Panetta. This is the opinion of Leon Panetta. Why do I say that? Because these are exactly the things that he said when he was being interviewed by it. He, by them. He was getting interviewed by CIA, and uh, he had pretty much those exact talking points to say. He spoke for about 15 minutes, so that's obviously just a, a little piece of that. What did you think of his remarks? I, I was uh, concerned about... Uh, uh-huh. What? The remarks that he made uh, at yet? the CIA in front of that wall. That, that Now, you're not going to disclose the fact that Leon Panetta was a Hillary supporter, that he backed Hillary Clinton. We're not going to do that. In front of that wall. That, that wall contains the stars of uh, CIA officers uh, who've given their life for this country. That's about as close as you can get to hollowed ground. Uh, Did he say hollowed or hallowed? I think he said hollowed ground. Hollowed ground would be what you are standing on, sir. Not I, – I think you meant hallowed. Let's let's go back because I think he said hollowed ground. And this he, the whole thing he's on here to, to slam Trump about supposedly saying these words on hallowed ground and yet he doesn't get the word right? What is – he's the former director of the CIA. What kind of sense does that make? If this place is so majestically important to the CIA and he's the former director of the CIA, you think you'd get the word right? CIA officers – uh, who've given their life for this country. That's about as close as you can get to hollowed ground. He did say hollowed ground. Incredible. Uh, at the CIA. It's the, it's the equivalent of speaking uh, at Arlington Cemetery. Uh, and I think that, you know, initially his comments uh, about supporting the CIA were appropriate uh, and should have been said. But I think to go off and start talking about, uh, See, this again is he doesn't follow policy. He doesn't follow procedure. He doesn't do it like we traditionally do it. The thing is, the, this is a really, really pointless thing to hit Trump on. That's why the American people that voted for him voted for him. They want somebody who doesn't always follow all of the stupid traditions. They want somebody who just calls it like it is. That's what, one of the number one things amongst Trump supporters that people, that people uniformly say about Trump is that he's honest. In fact, some, some polls say that they show that some people think he's too honest, whatever the hell that means. Probably means that he speaks his mind too much. 
So when you come at him with this stuff, it, it it's like it's like it's like water off, running right off a duck because that's why the people like him. You're just reinforcing the reasons they like him. But the media has their head so far up the establishment's ass that they don't recognize the fact that they're basically advertising the very aspects of Donald Trump that got him elected in the first place. Dinging myself there. That's what I'm talking about. Now, of course, CIA, the CIA, I'm sorry, not the CIA network. The CNN network has to continually hammer the Trump people over this. So they go to the new press secretary, Spicer, and ask him about the inappropriateness of this event. Why make uh, this crowd side issue or crowd size issue uh, something to talk about at all? Why get into it? Um, Did it bother the president that much that he felt that you needed to come out here and straighten that out for us? And, And why did he choose the CIA as the venue uh, to talk about that. Why would he do that? Why would he use his next public appearance after the controversy to talk about it? Why would he do something like that? And by the way, the media accused the Trump camp of stacking the first row at the CIA with supporters that were clapping for him. So they claim that all that clapping that you heard in some of those clips were just the people in the front row. Uh, so two things. One, I just got handed a note. All of the people were not, no, no one in the front row was Trump. They were all CIA. That's what you asked. First three rows. <laughs> okay. I'll find out who the other two were. I'm sorry. I just got you the front row. Give me a second. I'll get the second and the third. You, we're going to get to the fourth and fifth? Or? Okay. So let me see what I can do. Um, look, I think one of the things that happened, Jim, was that he kept hearing about this rift that existed. Um, he talked about it a couple weeks ago after his briefing, how proud he is and how much he respects the intelligence community. And I think when he walked into that and he saw it, he wanted to make sure that people knew that what you're hearing on television or in reports about this rift, I, I, I have the utmost respect for you. I honor your service. I'm proud of what you're doing and the sacrifices that you're making. And I think that he wanted them to know that you see and hear all this stuff on TV about this rift that so-called exists. And clearly it doesn't matter. Like, don't believe what you're hearing. Know that I, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you. I appreciate everything that you're doing, and I think that's why you wanted to do it, is to make sure that they understand, they heard firsthand how much he respects them, how much he wanted to dispel the myth that there was a quote-unquote rift. Hmm. Yeah, that was it. It's not the narcissist thing. It's totally that thing. And Greenwald makes a stop by to uh, discuss more about being in the crosshairs of the intelligence community. And uh, is it just me or has your buddy Glenn developed a bit of a tick? President Trump's new CIA chief, Mike Pompeo, has a difficult task ahead of him. He has to figure out a way to smooth the rift between the president and the intelligence community. Pompeo was sworn in by VP Mike Pence last night after the Senate confirmed him. There were a number of no votes, primarily from Democrats, opposed to Pompeo's views on domestic surveillance. Long story short, he's all for it. More on that in just a moment. Yeah, he's a big fan of domestic surveillance. That's good. It's good stuff. Let's stop them terrorism. Go! Go! Let it go, NSA! But the battle between Donald Trump and the intelligence agents, uh, that might be a more pressing issue for The battle. So the battle between the intelligence agencies and Donnie Trump is more important to the new CIA director, Pompeii, 
than domestic spying. Warm, at least uh, for now. That because, according to some reports, the intel community is ready to go toe-to-toe with the president should the standoff ever reach a boiling point. Joining me now, it's Glenn Greenwald, one of the co-founding editors of The Intercept. Glenn recently wrote an article for The Intercept titled The Deep State Goes to War with with President-Elect Using Unverified Claims as Democrats Cheer. I read uh, bits of that on the show and linked it in the show notes two weeks ago. Welcome back, Lynn. Great to be with you. So is there any benefit to having this rift, this war between the intelligence community, particularly the CIA and the new president? I don't think there's really any benefit anytime you have an unelected faction of the government uh, thinking that they should be acting independently or even worse, adversarially to the person that the American public, for better or for worse, decided they wanted to elect as president. Um, the CIA, the unelected branches of government are already very powerful. If you liberate them from being subordinate to these democratically elected officials, I think you get a situation that's very dangerous in the midterm or the long term, even if there are some short term benefits. So I think it's actually quite a menacing um, potential if they're really going to view themselves as rogue or contrary to the person that's supposed to be commanding them. Yeah, and it seems as though Democrats are cheering this. And you have written that the CIA was essentially openly cheering for Hillary Clinton to win. Do you still believe that? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the untold stories of the election is that it was really kind of a proxy war between various agencies within the permanent, unelected national security agencies community. You had the FBI, at least parts of it, that were clearly rooting for Trump, that were acting to undermine Clinton's candidacy. And then on the other hand, you had CIA officials and part of the CIA community who clearly wanted Clinton to win, and not only who wanted her to win, but have been acting against Trump ever since he won. And and so you see these kind of competing leaks, um, these efforts to subvert each candidate. And I think even now with Trump in the White House, you still see a lot of people in the intelligence community signaling to him that they could harm him if he continues to impede what they think should be the agenda. Yeah. What the hell kind of government is that? I mean, that's just weird. Uh, And it's it's truly unacceptable. But I want to talk a little bit about uh, the incoming CIA director, because obviously there has been a, a personal issue between the outgoing director, John Brennan, and the brand new president, Donald Trump. So Mike Pompeo, how is he on the all important issue of surveillance? He's pretty bad on that issue. Um, It's not just Democrats, as you indicated, who believe that. Rand Paul uh, actually was the only Republican to vote against him. And, of course, he has a long history of caring a great deal about Fourth Amendment rights, about the issue of of individual privacy in the United States, and essentially cited exactly that, that that Pompeo is at the far end of the spectrum when it comes to favoring domestic surveillance, about being um, very supportive of a lot of the policies under the NSA that caused Edward Snowden to become a whistleblower that courts have ruled illegal. And then when you add into that mix things like his openness to torture, uh, his association with a lot of people who are pretty on the far end of of being Islamophobic, I think there's a lot to worry about. Yeah, and, and as you remember, Rand Paul made a name for himself for that filibuster against John Brennan. I don't know what was up with Glenn. But if that's a persistent problem, it's probably going to ruin his career's, uh, his TV career, I should say. Obviously not his writing career, but the uh, news entertainment business is a fickle, fickle lover. And uh, you could tell even there they were rolling excessive B-roll to cover whatever it was going on. They were cutting from him very quick. They were, they were overcompensating there. 
That's just a problem they're going to avoid. Yeah, there was a lot of going. There's a lot of mouth noise too. All right, let's talk about Flint. Apparently, everything's good, guys. No more problems in Flint. The water is totes safe. A Fox News alert and headline coming from the state of Michigan. The water in Flint, Michigan, is safe. Sort of. A lukewarm statement from Michigan's environmental <laughs> oh. agency with an announcement today that Flint's water system no longer has levels of lead exceeding the federal limit. In fact, officials there say the lead in the water in Flint is about the same to lead in other cities across the nation. Well, and great. this is a dramatic improvement from 2014 when the water source for that city was switched over. And quite frankly, you had kids getting sick in the city of Michigan. But listen to this. There's still a warning about using water out of the faucet so it's up to your interpretation about how safe the water really is apparently uh, the community is still being told to use faucet filters or bottled water because they're replacing pipes in the area and that could spike lead levels in individual houses so a positive Uh, rating on the one hand uh, at least from certain uh, state officials about water in the city of Flint, Michigan, uh-huh. uh, but still uh, the community being told to be careful. So this is. Oh, that's awful. That's awful. Of course, they've got years and years and years of infrastructure they have to approve. Uh, there was uh, some inauguration thing going on. Did you guys hear some, something about some sort of transfer of transfer of. Like, I don't know, like a desk. I can't remember. Some sort of inauguration, something going on. All I know is that Hillary Clinton went to a party. Jeff, uh, who's arriving right now? Is this uh, the Clintons? Indeed. We're going to see Secretary, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton getting out of the car right now with uh, former President Bill Clinton. Now, what's interesting is the media, when you get to see something here, because they're just doing a raw feed of the cameras. So you see Hillary, she kind of stumbles out of the car a little bit, just just a touch. Um, But the media betray the real story. In the, in the questions, they begin shouting at Hillary. I think it's fascinating. So uh, I'm going to back it up just a little bit. So you, so there's Hillary. She uh, she oofs herself out of the car. She puts one hand up, one leg out, one hand up on the seat in front of her, oofs herself out. But listen to the questions they shout at her and tell me what it tells you about what the media is truly concerned about. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton getting out of the car right now with uh, former President mm-hmm. Bill Clinton. Madam Secretary, how does it feel to be here today? How are you feeling, Madam Secretary? Oh, boy. <laughs> Mr. President, so, how are you feeling? So, yes. you, hear the, you hear the anchors like, oh, jeez. Oh. Listen to that. Listen to the, listen to the anchors' reactions. Clinton getting out of the car right now with uh, former mm-hmm. President Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Madam Secretary, how does it feel to be here today? How are you feeling, Madam Secretary? Oh, boy. <laughs> Mr. President, so, how are you feeling? So, yes. <laughs> I'd probably come up with a different opener. <laughs> Did you hear that last part? Let's come back. Just... <laughs> I'd probably come up with a different opener. <laughs> Would you? Yeah, well, you're not there. How you feeling? How you feeling? CNN, though, they weren't just taking that, uh, some whatever that inauguration was, they weren't just sitting around streaming live feeds of inauguration cameras all day, too. No, no, they had other things to do, like fantasize what would happen if Trump was blown up. Well, that hatred shown towards Donald Trump has grown and made much of the mainstream media's critical coverage against him. Most recently, CNN's been reporting what would happen should disaster strike during Trump's inauguration. 
What if an incoming president and his immediate successors were wiped out on day one? <laughs> yeah. Somebody's been fantasizing over at CNN a little bit. Who would be in charge if an attack hit the incoming president? It won't be a Trump cabinet secretary. It will be an Obama appointee. It is patently irresponsible. It did actually seem a little bit. It seemed a little like uh, disaster porn to me. Now, we do have some potential news on Assange. Sweden's government is indicating we may soon learn whether WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange will face sexual assault charges he's been dodging for years. Senior foreign affairs correspondent Greg Palcott went to Sweden. Man, those charges are, are some real shit if you look into them. In fact, they've even been walked back even further from there. So it's it's a little bit of a asshat thing for Brett for the way that Brett just set this up. Listen to how he sets it up and keep in mind that realistically, when you look into these charges, it looks like both in both cases it was consensual sex. Sweden's government is indicating we may soon learn whether WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange will face sexual assault charges he's been dodging for years. Dodging, guys! Senior foreign affairs correspondent Greg Palcott went to Sweden to find out exactly where that case stands. Greg reports tonight from London. Legal clouds in Sweden still hang over WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, who's been holed up in the Ecuador embassy in London in part because of those problems. Now the Swedish prosecution authority tells Fox News it is getting nearer to either indicting him with rape, stemming from an earlier incident, or letting it drop. This is just you know, one like or the a other. tragedy that has dragged on for this long. Assange's legal odyssey began in Stockholm over six years ago in August 2010. He came there to give speech to his fans, including two young women who were central to Assange. Assange's legal difficulties. Both were friendly. Both had sex with him in their apartment. Ow! But soon after, both women came to the Stockholm they did police. What? Concerned phrasing, guys. Phrasing. Guys. Phrasing. 2010, he came there to give speech to his fans, including two young women who were central to Assange's legal difficulties. Both were friendly. Both had sex with him in their apartments. But soon after, both women came to the Stockholm police concerned about unprotected sex with Assange. Authorities saw in one account possible sexual assault charges. In another, a possible charge which haunts him to this very day. Rape. Assange says the woman was simply sleepy when the sex act happened at her home. She said, in fact, she was awakened when unprotected sex had already started. According yeah, because that's lawyer, how that works. Assange was shocked. Well, of course, he was in uh, disbelief. After some back and forth about the charges, amid claims and counterclaims about getting Assange interrogated, he left Sweden for the UK yeah. a few weeks later without talking with a prosecutor about all suspicions. If I were in charge... I would have tried very, very good to very good. to have him interviewed on a very early period. Oh, Assange good. has been in the UK ever since, defying arrest warrants, losing extradition trials. In 2012, he sought that asylum in the Ecuador embassy. In 2015, Assange applied to a UN panel on arbitrary detention, which ruled in his favor. Is it just me, guys, or has there been a lot of Assange news? We had, uh, we had, of course, the stuff leading up to the election. But, I mean, after the election, Assange is dead. There was rumors that he was dead. And there's rumors that he was he was tweeting a dead man's switch. And there was all this stuff later about in, uh, interviews that he did uh, just recently that we covered. And then there was the if uh, if you pardon um, Chelsea Manning, then uh, I will uh, allow extradition, which he stated once before in, I think, 2013, and now he's restated recently. A lot of Assange news recently. Like, I feel like it's going somewhere. That's kind of why I've been tracking it in overtime. This person who admittedly did quite a bit of work for getting truth out 
is just in exile, locked in. The Swedish government told Fox, though, it disagrees with the ruling. Backers of the victims say Assange was running from the law. Is he being arbitrarily detained? No, 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 he's not, not at all. No, he's not detained. He has chosen this freely. For years, Swedish prosecutor Marianne Nye demanded Assange only be interviewed in Sweden. While the standoff ensued, the sexual assault charges concerning one alleged victim expired. Finally, last fall, a prosecutor came to London and interrogated Assange about that rape accusation. You're saying that's a good thing that was finally done. Well, better, better late than never. Years later, there's still a dispute. What they have told is very probable. They have not tried to make it worse than it was. I am totally convinced that there was no crime ever committed by my client. The prosecutor need to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that, that the accused person actually did it. What some fear in a society sensitive to women's issues is that Assange will wait out this charge too, expiring in three years. Yeah. I think people will say that's not right to that it's possible to stay away for so long and not be punished for what you have done. The refusal of Assange to return to Sweden was never just about sex charges. All along he has said that they were just a pretense to get him back to Sweden. Maybe it's all those national secrets he published. Maybe that's what's got them pissed off. Maybe the sexual charges were pretense. I know, I know that's a huge conspiracy. I'm Hey, everybody, I'm frying bacon here. Watch out, crazy Chris. Extradite him to the U.S. to face espionage charges. Oh. Following the clemency granted to WikiLeaks source Chelsea Manning, it seemed like Julian Assange sounded ready to make good on his pledge to go to the U.S. I've always been uh, willing to go to the United States. But he put so many conditions on it, others thought he still wants to hunker down at the Ecuador embassy. Who wouldn't? We were told there is no existing public extradition order to the U.S. and saw no sign of strings being pulled with a probe. So this is their B-roll that they went to. Look at this. Look how, look how lazy they are. Look how lazy they are. You know, I say that because a Jupiter Broadcasting podcast would be ashamed ashamed to make this look legitimate so what they have here is this gal who looks like she's in some sort of research room simply because you're given to believe that they have fluorescent lights they have large monitors some which are vertical they have big screens hanging where they show stock market stats and tv news stations so this is obviously a research center because everybody who's doing research likes to have lots of things playing at once so that way you can really focus on nothing and then there her screen of research is simply google image search where she's downloaded a bunch of assange pictures and opened them up in os 10 preview saw no sign of strings being pulled here you can see she's on google images or whatever looking at images of assange the reaction of some in Sweden was he's offering to go to the wrong place. This is their Assange B-roll of research. These are newspaper clippings. He should look at a map. He should go the opposite direction. There is an extradition order to Sweden. However it goes, the usually reserved Swedish people seem quite emphatically to want the Assange saga to go away. It's been too long time. But too long. Yeah. Will you be happy to see that finished? Yes, I would. Why? Because I think he's a bag. Oh! Again, uh, Swedish authorities tell us they are now looking at that Assange testimony. Yeah. Something's going on there.
been banned from politics and public commentary and discourse? Debbie Wasserman Schultz. But no, no repercussions. Still getting a payroll, still getting voted in, and still getting pulled on network news to discuss things like the legitimacy of Donald Trump. Let's ask you this question directly. Do you believe Trump is a legitimate president? What I believe is that there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by the Russian interference with the campaign. And who, because our intelligence community has unequivocally stated that Russia's intent was to influence the outcome of the election in favor of Donald Trump, uh, I believe, one, that uh, the investigation that the United States Senate uh-huh. is going to do into yeah. the relationship and interaction. So this makes me concerned right here about this Senate investigation. If Debbie Wasserman Schultz is for it, then it probably is a corrupt operation from the beginning. Let's just be honest. This is simple math here. Let's not kid ourselves. It doesn't matter what political spectrum you fall on. She is a corrupt person who's been exposed for corruption, lying, and having a very, very extreme agenda. Not an agenda for the American people, but an agenda for the DNC establishment. And was to influence the outcome of the election in favor of Donald Trump. Uh, I believe, one, that uh, the investigation that the United States Senate is going to do into the relationship and interaction Ugh. potentially between the Trump campaign and Russian uh, and Russian officials, uh, that's essential. Yeah. Uh, but I think there's no question that the outcome of this election was affected by Russian interference. With no question. No, no question. The, with the campaign. No doubt. So when you say no the doubt. outcome was affected... Do you, is he a legitimate president then or not? I mean, is she going to answer, guys? There... What do you think, Jack? you think she'll answer? Why, why does Debbie's opinion matter at all? I realize she's an elected official from Florida. I will grant you that. But there's lots of elected officials out there. Why does the provably corrupt Debbie Wasserman Schultz opinion matter at all on the legitimacy of Donald Trump? There's no the the simple answer is it does not. It it just simply does not matter. The reason they're asking is because they're asking someone that they're hoping will say he is not legitimate. That's why she's being asked. That's why she's being brought on, because they're hoping to get the answer they want to fill out their narrative because they could have gone to anyone. They could have brought a Republican on. They could have brought a Democrat on. They could have gone to anyone. They went to DWS for a reason. They were hoping for an answer. So she's got to ask the question not once, not twice. Distinction between those two things in your mind? I, I'm not going to use uh, I'm not going to weigh yeah, in yeah, on yeah, right. the application of the term legitimate or not. Um, I, I definitely I know, I know I've run for office many times and I certainly would ever want to have the um, credit. You know, there's a there is an irony in in this woman speaking to, about this topic. Debbie Wasserman Schultz is coming on Aaron's show and saying it's the Russians and that the Russians, there's no doubt about it. Literally, she said there's no doubt about it. The Russians affected the outcome of the election. No doubt about it. You know what there is no doubt about? There is no doubt that this woman affected the election. Her corruption, her suppressing of Bernie Sanders and the exposure of that. And the disenfranchisement of the Bernie Sanders supporters after what this woman did undoubtedly impacted the election. And I guarantee you it did not impact it 
in favor of Hillary Clinton. This woman on your screen right now is unquestionably more responsible for getting Donald Trump elected than Vladimir Putin. But yet she has the weave to go on this show and say it's the Russians that did it. Ability um, or confidence shaken in the outcome of any of my own elections. And uh, and so um, I, I think it's a cause of great concern. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's something that absolutely, as I said, needs absolutely. to be investigated and yes. will be investigated. Good. Because, you know, the next the next layer you know. of this, Aaron, uh-huh. is what contact, if any, was there between the Trump campaign and Russian operatives. Oh, and operatives. So one- it was an ambassador, by the way. It was one of our ambassadors speaking to one of their ambassadors. I guess you could classify an ambassador as an operative. That seems combative. Seems a little bit agenda-driven. As I said, needs to be investigated and will be investigated because, you know, the next, the next layer of this, Aaron, is... What contact, if any, was there between the Trump campaign and Russian operatives? And- you know, let me uh, let me translate. So when she says the next layer of this, Aaron, what she means to say is the next opportunity that we're going to exploit in pinning Trump to Russia is this ambassador situation. That's what she means. I'm I'm sorry. She doesn't she doesn't she doesn't speak human. She speaks elite. And so I just have to translate just really quick. And I don't mean to speak down to you because it's not that you don't understand. It. It's just that I've had to watch a lot of Debbie clips. And so I've just got a little vernacular here of what how she what she says and what she actually means. So I'll, I'll just translate the rest of this clip for you. As I said, needs to be investigated and will be investigated uh-huh. because, you know, the next the next layer of this. Era- the next layer, as in the next phase of our approach, Aaron, is what contact, if any, was there between the Trump campaign and Russian operatives. And so what contact was there between two individuals in each respective governments who will be working together for the next four years on nearly a daily basis? It literally does not matter if if they contacted Russia three days before they're in office or three weeks before they're in office. Now, today, January 25th, 2017, these two individuals are on a daily contact basis. So what difference does it make at this point, as Hillary Clinton likes to say? One, I believe yeah. that the outcome of the election was affected by their interference. And now we need to know, you know to what degree, uh, if any, the Trump campaign was actually in collusion with the uh, with so, Russia in that effort. So- <laughs> Remember how her DNC wouldn't let the FBI investigate the servers? She was one of the people. She right there, this woman on your screen prevented the FBI from looking at the DNC servers to determine the source of the hacks. So all these are, are, are obviously crucial questions, right? There's good, there are committees now that are going crucial to be guys. investigating this. But with 52 of yeah. your colleagues not coming, with some Americans deeply, deeply upset, the hashtag not my president not on Twitter. Not my president, guys. I have to say, I do think whether you use the word legitimate is very important. Oh, oh, once again, pushing Debbie once again, because let's be honest, this is why we booked you, Debbie. I mean, he's either a legitimate president or he isn't. <laughs> Go back to chicken, Aaron. Which is it for you? Well, I think that my view on that, um, I'll be able uh-huh. to reach a conclusion on when we hear more about these investigations. Oh, the investigations again. It's funny. She, she seems to be mentioning those investigations a lot. So, I mean, when you, do, what, what, when you use a term like legitimate. And that'll be one I'm prepared to, to use uh-huh. if Just more right uh, evidence is, uh, is, it comes out that not only 
was, were the Russians uh, a significant impact huh? on was the that? outcome of this election, but the Trump campaign uh, colluded with them to achieve uh, his victory, then most certainly I would be able to use that term. Colluding, and, uh, huh? Colluding. That's an interesting choice. It's funny you use the word colluding. You kind of, you know, you kind of colluded with the Hillary Clinton camp. It's weird. It's like it's on your mind. It's just so weird. It's just so strange. Now the State Department, though, they're not they're not really all concerned about Russian hacking anymore. They got uh, they got this two hundred twenty one dollar. Uh, sorry, two hundred twenty one dollar, two hundred twenty one million dollar payment to the Palestinians that uh, Obama did on his way out. The State Department is now reviewing the Obama administration's last-minute $221 million transfer of money to the Palestinians. Now, the department could make adjustments to that payment to make sure the money complies with President Trump's priorities. Congress was notified about the money just hours before President Obama left office. Those funds had been blocked by Republican lawmakers over concerns the Palestinians made to seek membership in international organizations and also concerns about where all the money would end up. This is all related to the uh, collapsing relationship between Netanyahu and Obama as Obama was going his way out. One last middle finger to Netanyahu and I wouldn't be surprised if the Palestinians do use that money to get themselves access to an international organization, perhaps. We will see. We will see. But to Jeff's point, we don't know exactly how much it will cost. Right. Uh, we do know, and there's a Mexican delegation coming to the White House today, we do know the Mexican government has said no way, no how, yeah. uh, that they're going to pay for it. So they're talking about Trump's executive order on beginning the process of building the wall. But we don't know how much it will cost. We don't know how much it will take. We also don't know. Donald Trump talks about a wall. Right, all a the great way, all, wall. A great wall. So now, remember, this man, like him or not, is the president of the United States. So at which point it is now fair to compare their coverage of past presidents. Imagine this was a conversation about Obama just for a moment. Obama talking about hope and change on his first few days into office, about being the great uniter, about closing down Gitmo, all these things that Obama promised us. Imagine if they mocked him like they are now mocking Donald Trump. Donald Trump talks about a wall right, all the a way, all, wall, a great wall a all the way across. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the governors don't want that. Yeah, and his yeah. own Homeland Imminent Security Secretary issues. has said, I'm not sure it would be that effective. Yeah, environmental issues. I, I think we've seen great theater from Donald Trump over these uh, last couple of days. You know, it's interesting. They, they just at no point do take him seriously. And I guess maybe it's because you never know when to. But they didn't take it seriously when he said he was going to run for president. They didn't take it seriously when he became a candidate. They didn't take it seriously once he won the primary. They didn't take it seriously once he was competing against Hillary Clinton. They haven't taken anything seriously since he's become president. You have to ask yourself, at what point do they take the man seriously? Because he did sign the executive order today. Is it going to happen? Jeez, I doubt it. But still, at what point? I really believe if this was Obama... This would be a totally different tune they'd be singing. I, I'm not going to sit here and say liberal media, liberal media, liberal media, but honestly, reframe this. And every time they say Trump, imagine them saying Obama. This would never happen. I said I'm not sure it would be that effective. Yeah, environmental issues. I, I think we've seen great theater from Donald Trump over these uh, last couple of days. Uh, you know, the idea of sitting at a big desk and signing orders uh, and essentially... A- they are the idea of sitting at a big desk. The... The desk that's been there since Kennedy? You mean the president's desk? The one that you supposedly fawn all over? Imagine him sitting there. Put you signing these big... Signing orders. Listen to her. 
Can you believe this woman? Uh, and essentially uh, proclaiming what he wants to do. He's the president! Uh, it, it sort of fits with what Donald Trump's idea of the presidency is. What Now she knows what Donald Trump's idea of the presidency is. Now she is so tapped into the psyche of Donald J. Trump that she is cognizant of what his framework of reality and his job responsibility is. This woman must be the best psychologist in the universe if she can diagnose this man's perspective on reality from behind the desk at CNN. Truly incredible. I hope she's getting paid well. Fits with what Donald Trump's idea of the presidency is, what it should look like. How does she know that? How can she be sitting on CNN, a news network, a 24-hour news network, supposedly, according to Imager, one of the right down the middle, not biased at all news networks. They had an infograph out. This woman is sitting here telling you how he views the presidency. She, She can conjecture. She can guess. But she cannot tell you what he is thinking. This is unbelievable journalism. Uh, It it sort of fits with what Donald Trump's idea of the presidency is, what it should look like. Uh, And now it's about the details, right? It's about how much this wall costs, how he actually gets it done. Oh, and whether or not it actually addresses the problem. I mean, if you think about uh, who's coming over now, a lot of those folks are from Central America. A lot of them turn themselves in uh, at the border. Uh, And and it's not the it's not what it used to be in terms of people climbing over. And also there are a lot of there are more border agents there than there there than there ever been. She's sure stuttering an awful lot, isn't she? Uh, but listen, this was his listen, promise, guys. Uh, and we'll see what it looks like, and we'll see uh, how the actual uh, governors in these different states. She literally sounds like she's scrambling to get the words out of her mouth as fast as possible. It, 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 this, this, this. Listen. This is her insight. Uh, and the Congress, Rex, this is never something that they really liked. Uh, they had wanted to do different things in terms of immigration uh, reform. But listen, he's the president. Now. Listen, and one of the big differences within the Republican Party is there there is a schism between how border state Republicans feel about immigration and how Republicans in the rest of the country feel about immigration. Uh, John McCain and Jeff Flake in Arizona are not immigration hardliners. They are, uh, you know... They, they- yeah, of course. Why don't we also mention Lindsey Graham? This is... I play this clip for you to demonstrate to you not that they don't accurately report the news, not that it is fake news. It is they simply do not understand the people watching and the people that are now running the country. They just simply are so disconnected from it, they can't process it. And so when they go on there, they are constantly, constantly chipping away at their own legitimacy. It's... It is it is really it is really sort of something to watch. And something else that was incredible to watch was the fawning over Hillary Clinton at Donald Trump's inauguration. This is a jazzy hypercut ABC News put together of all of Hillary Clinton's best moments at the inauguration. Chatting with Bush. Ha <laughs> So I was watching the ABC live stream and they spent 15 minutes talking about how brave she was and how courageous she was for being there. She, you got to give her savvy. You got to give her that at least. But I mean, they were just fawning for 15 disgusting minutes. her they really love this woman <laughs> they just they, any chance they have to put together a montage by the way how long did i play that i played that for uh, for like uh, 30 seconds it's a two minute long montage <laughs> Ooh, they love her but that and that music was so horrible i kind of feel like we could do our own music to it like we could do our own thing that would be much better but uh we move on we move on so i know some of you out there you just don't trust the banks 
you got maybe maybe you come across a little money, maybe something you got an inheritance. I don't know, and you got you got to do something with it. You not put it in the damn bank, right? Because you don't trust the Fed and the Rothschild, so you don't put it in the bank. See, my strategy is to be so poor that it never matters. But I understand some of you got money and you don't keep it in Bitcoin. Sure, fair enough. I'm just going to try to tell you this. This is a little bit of departing advice from your unfiltered show as we wrap up. Don't put it under the bed, guys. Don't put it under the bed. I mean, a lot of people talk about stash in the cash in your mattress, but a man in Massachusetts actually did it. Stuffed his box spring with $20 million, and now the feds have this guy in custody. Now, why would that be? Molly Lyon is tracking down the green from Boston. What's up, Molly? Good morning. Good morning, Bill. What are you going to do if you've got millions upon millions, a secret stash? Prosecutors say the one group of schemers went with the old standby under the mattress. And how are you going to hide that much cash? Very neatly stacked, of course. Uh-huh. A Brazilian man, 28-year-old Kleber Rene Rosario Roca, was captured after federal agents followed him back from a restaurant where, he had, where they had witnessed a money drop at a nearby restaurant. Money, they went back to Westboro, and that stash was found in a box spring <laughs> earlier this month as they investigated this international money laundering operation stemming from a busted pyramid scheme. This all started back in 2013 when the Department of Homeland Security began investigating Telex Free Incorporated and the company's sales of voice over internet telephone service, VOIP. Yeah. Now, according to court, court documents, uh-huh. the company required participants to pay a membership fee and a fee for wholesale VOIP packages up front, after which they gave participants financial incentives to advertise the company, recruit other people to join, and sell VOIP. But they made very little from sales. More than 900,000 people lost money when the telex free collapsed, their losses totaling $1.7 billion. You know, guys, that's why why Patreon.com slash Unfilter is so damn important. You wouldn't want your unfiltered show to have to revert to a Voight Ponzi scheme, right? No. I don't, you don't want that. No, you don't want that. Thank you to all of our supporters over at patreon.com slash unfilter. I love getting your tweets throughout the week, getting super pumped for the show. So much stuff going on. If you ever want to get some input into what gets covered, unfilter.reddit.com. Patreon.com slash unfilter. We got the full live show over there whenever YouTube cooperates. It doesn't pull us down. Keeping us down, man. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you right back here next week, skis. Get it out of here. Fabulous.